What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 129. I'm Anthony Trapney, your host as always, and I'm here with one of my resident homies, Casey Howard. What's going on, Casey? Hello. Hello. How are you? Probably going to see the professor later. Uh, Joel is once again going to miss this, uh, miss an episode, but he's going to a sick show. He's going to see the first kickoff show of the archaic tour that's starting in Santa Cruz. Oh, sick. The one we've been plugging. So we're going to be hitting that in the plug section too. But of course, we got to have at least one person in, in, in the flesh for that tour. So he'll have some shit to come back and talk to us about next week. And, uh, yeah, tonight we are joined by a fucking drum legend, known about him for several years, loved a lot of his, hey, hey, don't make that face, we believe we believe this, okay? All the things that you've been a part of, I've, I've been really, really uh, a fan for so many years, and tonight we got Gus Rios. What's going on, Gus? Happy to be here, man. Thanks, dude. And uh, I got to oh, yeah, real quick, oh, I think yeah. I find that, is this the flyer for the show Joel's at? Yeah, that's it okay. right there. So right, the Blue Lagoon, that first date right there. Nice. Yeah. Who else is playing First Fragment? Oh shit. First Fragment. Sick. Um, I can't read the second band or the third band. I mean, judging by those logos, it's probably a lot of blast beats getting played tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, so many. Oh yes. Most definitely. How many drums are gonna be hit tonight? Like how many, Ooh, how many notes are getting played yeah. tonight? How many kick drums and snare hits will there be? <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, I'm sorry to the other bands. Uh, I should be more prepared. I still don't have any fucking notes in front of me. 129 episodes and kind of just read whatever they throw up on the screen for me. So, yep, that's me kicking back, listening to a guest. Tell me some shit. Um, what? Uh, all right, let's do the plugs thing real quick. Uh, Battleforgecoffee.com, always up top. Our homies in Deeds of Flesh coming through with that caffeine bean um they got swag we've been plugging them ever since they became a company like i said it's family underground death metal represent it's support. a mean bean, dude we all drink coffee it's the number one it, ingested drug in the planet is that the coffee that mike hamilton probably is that oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that shit's crack cocaine bro <laughs> it is dude it is straight up really Ooh. good coffee like so, I say it every time, I'm a coffee guy, and this stuff is definitely a good batch of coffee that I've uh, many batches that I've gotten from them. I actually got some yeah. more on the way soon, so might be a little swag in that box too. That'll be sick. And then uh, what? Also, uh, nice. generator generatorrehearsalstudios.com. If you're in the Southern California area, it's in the Oceanside area specifically. But if you can get to Oceanside, if you're close enough to commute for a rehearsal that's where you want to go um calideathpodcast.bigcartel.com still got a couple t-shirts in there we've been talking behind the scenes of possible new merch items in the future and uh we'll probably do that or make a move on that pretty soon but until then that stays secret but you can still get a t-shirt that supports the show that's the only way you can financially support this show Oh, yeah. The ticket giveaway is at uh, CaliDeath.com for uh, the Chicago Domination Festival. I keep wanting to call it a survey. It's not a survey. It's a fucking, uh, what do you call it? You just fill out a form, basically, and you're going to be randomly drawn to win two tickets to this three-day festival in Chicago with all these sick bands. Um, Shout out to Human Artifacts. Shout out oh, to human, yeah. art, human artifacts for sure. 
Shout out to Vile. Shout out to fucking wow. so many different bands on there wow. that we're friends with. Um, cool. But yeah, dude, go there and or chick whoever you are, go there and uh, fill out a form if you want a chance to win those tickets. Um, what else do we have here? Anything Joseph else? This tour yet? This thing? Oh yeah, we're plugging that for Joseph oh, too. Um, no, he's not on it yet, but he will be missing some shows. Uh, uh podcast coming up very soon. Yeah. That starts June first. It looked like so. Lasso Lucy, cool. you want to catch the professor in person? Go out, look up that tour, and get out there if it's close to home. Um, yeah, <coughs> I think that's all of it, dude. So Gus, is there anywhere uh, any one bands? I know you're gonna want to kill a uh, do kill division because that's the newest record that's coming out. So you probably want to plug them anywhere you want people to go to find out all your stuff, dude, and buy merch. Uh, I think for Kill Division merch, we actually have some uh, at uh, Matt Harvey's. What the hell is it? It's like Darker Corners at Big Cartel or whatever it is. Nice. So Matt's got some. Matt made me some shirts um, that I actually had to just have him bring me some for tomorrow's gig. Matt's dope. He's been on the show. I know. I, I, he, he's a homie. Hell yeah. Cool. And me, then, uh, me, me, me and that dude have been through some shit lately, man. It's unreal. Yeah. In a good way? Yeah, no, like amazing way. Like I remember like the first night with uh Left to Die. I remember we got off stage and I was just like, dude, can you believe our drunk, stupid idea? And we just did this. Yeah, dude. Like totally. <laughs> Hell yeah. Same with Gruesome, too. Like, those two bands both have, like, you guys really capture the essence, that Chuck, early Chuck essence, dude. Oh, yeah. When you well, listen to Gruesome, I, there's totally, like, there's this energy that's in early death music that you guys can definitely channel into, like, new releases. I mean, I got to tell you, man, it's it's really a testament to Matt Harvey's uh, talent and skill, in my opinion, because... Fuck yeah. Um, I learned the kind of the intricacies with things that you just weren't really aware of about Chuck and his songwriting. And it wasn't until Matt <coughs> sent me demos that I was like, why does this sound so much like death? Yeah. And it's the song structure. And if you listen to death, like Chuck wrote in a very particular way and it really didn't vary from leprosy on. Mm hmm. And uh, Matt kind of cracked that code, and that's when I kind of learned the code. And I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, I see where we're going with this." So it's really, you know, Matt's a talented motherfucker, dude. Totally, dude. And you could tell he's he really is a fuck yeah obsessive death fan when you when you get on the subject of death, you know. Oh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, gruesome is if nothing, it's just a love letter to to death. For sure. I mean, he, Leprosy is still my number one favorite, like, death metal album. Like, not even death the band. Like, death metal genre. Leprosy is my number one. And so, for me to, like, play those fucking songs every night, it's just, it's it hasn't gotten old yet. Hell yeah. Hell well, yeah. that's awesome, dude. And then, uh, is there any other projects that uh, you're involved in right now that you'd like to plug? Well, definitely the Kill Division is um, a grindcore band I'm doing. 
which was kind of born of the pandemic too, because <clears throat> Kyle Simons, who did, um, he did the will to kill and war cult with malevolent creation. And he did a couple of records with a grindcore band called Hey Plow. And him and I were in a band back when we were like kids, man, like 15, 14 years old. We were in a band called Sickness. And uh, so I've known Kyle since I'm a fucking kid. I got that record. And um, he came on the the Gus and Seth metal show, that that internet show I was doing uh, summer 2020 to keep myself from fucking going crazy. Um and he did a show, he did a, an episode of a massacre episode and he was all stoked on singing again. And he's like, man, I really want to record something, <clears throat> but I don't want to do death when I want to do grindcore. And I've never written a grindcore record, but I love grindcore. Mm-hmm. So I wrote some songs. I know Dirk Verbuern for a long time now, years and years. Okay. Nice. And uh, I know he's kind of a grindcore like aficionado. Right. So I figured if I write some songs and Kyle, who's a grindcore aficionado and Dirk, who's a grindcore aficionado sign off on the songs I'm writing, Mm -hmm. maybe they don't suck. So, you know, I I sent a couple of demos. They were both super stoked. And then I just shit that record out in like a month. It's funny that you mentioned hate plow because I didn't know who else was in the band with you. And I did already get like a, an immediate hate plow essence when i was listening to kill division the song that you uh you guys recently put out yeah so i mean kyle's to me, the riffing I, I don't know but it it did immediately spark hate plow vibes for me with kyle's vocal being in my opinion so kind of unique if you're a kyle simons fan <clears throat> you know you hear one fucking word and you know it's him right so it's kind of impossible for him to growl over blast beats and like grind riffs without sounding like hey plot but i'm i'm here for it because <laughs> yeah, i love totally, those no, i'm down with those hey plot records like, hell yeah i'm so, i'm so down with those hey plot records dude but um, what's cool is what i like about grindcore is i love hardcore and punk music too like old punk like minor threat and stuff mm-hmm. and to me it, it kind of gives me its opportunity to you know kind of hardcore punk out that really is how the, with blasting, you know what I mean? That's the box that you're playing in when you're doing grindcore is really just that, dude. It's 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 it came from punk, you know. It came mm-hmm. it, it and uh what was the other one you mentioned? The punk and what? Hardcore. Yeah, dude, totally. And I mean and it's it called grindcore. <laughs> yeah. so it's it's yeah, it's right. hardcore with blast beats, so a grindcore. Mm-hmm. Totally, <laughs> to me, the new song that's out now, that uh, Thoughts and Prayers, man, that's basically a hardcore song. Totally, dude. Well, sick. And so. Kyle just letting it rip over it, man. Like, you know, the, the lyrics, the, his, his delivery, man. I mean, he seems to be a pretty angry fella right about now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. What do you got? What's in that Gatorade? It looked a little milky. Dude, it's just Gatorade, man. I'm, you know, oh, I, okay. I didn't know if there was like a little. Yeah, got to hydrate. Hey, dude, living in Florida, man, man you got to hydrate. Oh yeah, dude. We we're just talking about that. So it's, you said it was. It's right before the season where it starts to get. Uh, we're 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 walking into Satan's butthole right as now as we speak, man. It's about <laughs> yeah. to get savage. Yeah. 
too yeah bad. i've been in i've been in florida a couple summers but what part of florida are you in i'm down south in in fort lauderdale area basically yeah i mean i grew there. up here this is you know this where, is um, this is where i live man cruises come out of like the port yeah mm -hmm. cruises there that's where I've been i mean you know this place is called liquordale like there's a trillion bars yeah <laughs> and i make a living singing and playing guitar in bars so there's like i mean i don't have time for shit because i work so much grateful i'm very grateful right but, um you know i mean that's this is a place of you know this economy thrives on tourism and people drinking booze right yeah, yeah. Well, cool, dude. So, talking about uh, Florida and all that, and, unless you have any more bands you want to mention before we move on. I mean, those are really the big. You know, what's interesting, which I think will be fun, but this is more just a fun thing. Is Sunday, uh, Phil <coughs> from uh, <coughs> Municipal Waste mm. is flying into town, and we're gonna we're we're doing a Slayer tribute band. Sick. Oh, sick, dude. Nice. So that it's, that should be you know just a lot of fun. And that's local where you're at? Yeah, I mean, he lives in Virginia, so he's going to fly down here. I got two guys down here that are fucking unbelievable. Like, the dudes look like Carrie King and Jeff Hanneman. The one guy's got, like, a Jeff Hanneman guitar. Like, for me, nice. it's great because I'm like, holy shit, I'm in Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, Phil's coming down to do the play Araya, so... You know, hopefully it'll be good. If, if it's if it sounds killer, man, I'm gonna shoot a bunch of video on Tuesday and put it all out. So, start booking that band. Rad, dude. Sick. Yeah. Well, cool, Gus. Let's uh let's dig into you a little bit, though, dude. Shoot, so, man. How we how we uh start the show is try and find uh the earliest memory you can conjure up of, of about being a child and having music. Um, connecting with music you know um organic you know what's interesting man I, I have this i have this very vivid memory i was um dude i was probably nine years old right so i'm a kid mm -hmm. and this dude at school anthony who was like the older metalhead dude yeah was like you know we were listening to metallica and twisted sister and megadeth and bands like that and this dude was like, what are you little boys doing? When you mm -hmm. want to grow up to the big boys, you got to listen to Slayer. Yeah. And my brother and I were like, who's Slayer? This is 19, this is early 87. Older or younger brother? Uh, my older brother, Hector. Okay. Only by like a year and four months. So we're like two peas in a pot. Mm -hmm. And so we were both like these metalhead kids in, in middle school probably. And, um, real quick, how'd you guys discover it on your own before middle school though? I, you know, it's, if I go further back, my brother and his buddy, Sean used to watch Headbangers ball. There you go. And I, at the time, true story, I was listening to run DMC motherfucking LL cool J. Hell yeah. Um, you know, the old shit the fucking, old F -Jam you know, shit. Yeah. The jammers. But I, these dudes would watch Headbangers Ball every night, and I used to just go to sleep. And then I eventually I just stayed up and watched the videos with these dudes, and I got all into metal. Like, fairly quickly, I was like, damn, this is the shit. What kind of stuff I were love your parents listening to? Oh, no. My parents are, like, super religious Latin people. Like, really? 
Yeah, there's a story. There's a story there too. My my parents were not down with the metal. So we've had a few guests that have have had that situation, and I actually love to hear about this, dude. I want to know how you kept it a secret. You know, I mean, without getting into you know a, a dissertation of this, like my childhood sucked balls, right? Like, not awesome. Yeah. And so I think when it came to music the music that really like consumed me was metal. And I remember, I remember listening to rain and blood for the first goddamn time. It was my brother, that same dude, Sean, that used to sleep over all the time. And me mm -hmm. three little fucking kids who went to the mall because these dudes mentioned Slayer. So we, we all pooled money and for 10 bucks, we bought rain and blood on cassette because it was still in the new albums release. And uh, so we were like, hey, let's just get the most recent record. And that was Rain and Blood. <laughs> Dude, I remember pressing play on that goddamn cassette. <laughs> and these three little kids were like, <laughs> for 28 goddamn minutes. Like, we didn't talk. Wow. We were just like, what the fuck? We had to, like, lower it when praise, hail, Satan came over. Like, oh, shit, oh, lower shit. that volume. Yeah, Whoops. Yeah. Because my parents, you know what I'm saying? They would not have been down with that shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this very, very aggressive, very visceral, very violent music immediately spoke to me in a way where if I have to think of it now, it, it's almost like being afraid of the dark so much that the only way that you can uh, coexist with this fear or whatever is to like live in it. I dive in yeah yeah so when i hear this music this i i mean i just remember it from the fucking hearing the guitar just this you know there's a different level of aggression in slayer riffs like that's that's a fucking hanneman thing that's it and um and then the vocals and the fucking drums it's just always like right i mean and it's a moment that True to its, you know, true to its fucking word and depth. Here we are today. However many years it's been since that happened. Right. And I'm talking to you guys from because a, literally a direct line to that moment of listening to Rain and Blood and in my bedroom with, with those two dudes and going, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. This is the best shit I've ever. And it's almost like I knew right then and there. I wanted a goddamn guitar and I just wanted to be in a band. Like that's all the fuck I knew. And I how think, old were you by then? Teenager? That was nine years old, man. Oh man. And that's, nine uh, years old. Damn. What were you going to say, Casey? I was going to say like, I think, you know, in all, like rain and blood is talked about a lot, but it's still like not talked about enough, almost like in death metal. Like it's kind of weird, but um, I don't know. There's just something about that. Like of course there was Metallica and like other bands, of course Megadeth and other bands and the thrash bands doing that stuff before, but not really before. I mean it's all the same time. But like there's just something about I mean, and the all the Slayers great hell away, it's all the different ones around that. But just And if Rain we're talking Blood, about like you know, just, the yeah. music that directly resulted with death metal, dude. I mean Metallica, of course, is like sprinkle in the the, the yeah. pieces of it, but no, dude, it was motherfucking Slayer. Totally, dude. And possessed that, yeah. And and creator, like the extreme shit, man. Like creator, dark angel, 
uh, Slayer and Possessed is the fucking genesis of death metal. Ends the story. I, don't even fucking argue it. That's it. I don't, and that's this is my thing. I think that it, I don't think most of it is a disrespect thing. Like, oh fuck Slayer, you know it's pussy shit. All I think it is is the time that it's been. You know, the further you get away from something, um, it trans it can't translate into a new generation. Not that oh they can't understand it or whatever, but you living through Slayer, us catching the tail end of you know that era as well we we kind of it happened at a certain time in your life too so the other things that are happening for the newer generations are different kinds of slayers for them oh no no no! I, and yeah. i i totally get that and i totally understand what you're saying and i agree with it i mean i think we're just talking about history totally you, no you know, not, i mean yeah i mean when it comes to like the 200 stab wound kids you know what i mean like the the new 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 bands I'm sure it wasn't Slayer for them. It was probably fucking one of us old fucks. You know what I mean? It was probably right. Turn yeah, your yeah, mic totally. down a couple dings. I don't know how to fucking do that, Ian. Ian just texted me that my mic's too loud. Okay, it, so we can figure that out. You got a settings at the bottom. It's. I see. A, oh my god, I'm on my phone. I see an icon for mic. That just mutes it. Don't. Don't uh, don't ask me to fuck with things because I'm an old fart that doesn't know how to fuck with shit. I'll just try to okay, talk well, quieter. Well, we got the professor here, so now everything's going to be okay. So don't worry. What uh, up, professor? Up? How's hey, the man. audio? Hello. Nice Joseph. to meet you, Gus. All right. What's up, buddy? Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Let's see. Where is that setting? The audio thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't think you can adjust the volume from there, though. Man, um, quit being such an old fuck. And just... <laughs> It's yeah. a little loud. No, I'm just kidding, just, brother. Just whisper, dude. That's okay. I'm By the way, shout out quiet. to Ian. Ian's like, the reason Ian's... why this, this uh answer all the questions going like... down right now. Okay, guys. So I just uh is this Ian's <laughs> my motherfucking brother, dude. Like brother. Love that. I love you, bro. Uh, Ian rips. Yeah, Ian's great, dude. He's been on the show as well, and we see him every week. I love fucking seeing Sick oh. Drummer magazine popping up in that chat it's, every week. And you can adjust the volume on your ear wire. Can you? Dude, I don't even know how to do that. I'll just, I'll just talk quieter and like, just whisper. Hold, you know, I'll just talk quieter. I'm high, so I'm yelling. It sounds good to me, personally. Yeah, no, I can hear it good. Yeah. No one um, upset Ian though. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah. So we're at a nine-year-old kid getting fucking his mind melted. So I mean, I, I'll give you the 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 condensed maybe version of this. Is yeah, I got a guitar probably christmas of that year so i'm like 10 years old now and we got some piece of shit you know like my mom probably is like i don't know if these kids are going to stick with this shit and this is 1987 so it's not like there was guitar centers and fucking you know what i mean this is a whole other world yeah and uh, so we got a real cheap guitar uh took a few guitar lessons with some fucking old guy that you know wanted to teach us beatles songs we were like, just show me a fucking power cord, bro, and let me get out of here. <laughs> and so, whatever, stuck with it. I got got more guitars. I got, <clears throat> I was a full blown guitar player at first. And then we started a band. And this is, you know, this is a true story. This, you know, it's funny. I'm like, as I'm saying this shit, I'm remembering. Um, 
met a kid at school who had a drum set, went to his house um, to, you know, we're like, let's get a drummer, let's jam. And the dude wasn't the greatest drummer. And I sat down, started playing and like fairly quickly got better than him at least. And so it was like, Hey man, I, if I want to be in a band, I guess I have to play drums. Funny enough story of my life to this fucking day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if I want to like move forward in this, like being a rock star thing, I'm going to have to play some goddamn drums. So I became a drummer out of almost necessity. Um, you know, I never quit playing guitar. I just stayed on the drums, but I, um, in 1995, when I saw Dave Coolross play drums, um, funny story. He came to my studio or my rehearsal in 1995. I'm 17 and he shows up with Phil Fasciana from Malevolent and he shows up with this 19 year old kid because Dave Colross was 19. I don't know who this motherfucker is. Sits down behind my drum set and just is like tapping. Tip, tap, 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 tap. And I go, hey man, if you're a drummer, let her rip, dude. The fucking hurricane that took off behind my drum set was like, and this is 95. We've never, there's no internet. You've never seen a human being sit behind a drum and just start blasting. But he looked like this. Yeah. Just relaxed as fuck, but his hands were flying. Immediately got up and I walked right up to him and I went, dude, do you give fucking drum lessons? Because I don't know what the fuck I just saw, but that was some shit. And I want to be able to do that shit. Mm -hmm. And so I sit down. He's like, let me watch you play. Tur He's like, yeah, I'm a teacher. I taught in Rochester where I'm from. Let me watch, sit down. Let me watch you play drums. <laughs> Dude, I sat down for like 10 seconds. And my man goes, yeah, get up, dude. Oh. We're going to have to start from scratch. I was oh, like, no. fuck that bad, huh? He's like, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, dude. <laughs> So it's just so, technique you know, and stuff. <laughs> all, yeah. But I think this is where the difference is in regards to like the ones who get who excel at things and the ones that don't. Because my attitude right then and there could have been like, well, fuck it, you know, I guess if I suck that bad, forget it. You know, this guy just said you're terrible. <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know, it I'm the kind of person that I'm like, dude, I'm so grateful that he was that honest with me because I was like, nope. I told my band, hey, guys, I'm going to have to quit. Legit. I'm going to have to quit this band for a hot minute because I undo everything and just focus on this practice pad and stop, like, bashing drums and start, you know, just using wrists and fingers, which is like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. um but dude i did i stuck my nose in the shit and like six months later i emerged like you know blasting with you know obviously like not cool ross but in yeah, by 97 i was just gonna by say 97 i was you, playing uh, with malevolent sorry for cutting you off imagine if you decided to quit then dude you know I would be a full-blown guitar player by you know i, I was oh, so i never quit still playing with all a dream in music but you just wouldn't have been a drummer I would have just been a guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's interesting, man. I don't have any recollection of having a backup plan. 
Like for me, it was, I'm going to do this or or I'm going to die. I don't care. And, you know, it was just this thing where I I think for me anyway, I think one of the things I had to do was be, you know, uh, I never let drugs or alcohol ruin things for me. Um, I certainly did plenty, but uh, playing music always came first for me. So even if it was on tour or when I became a full-time musician, you know, I never, ever played a gig. I don't think, I mean, unless the whole band was that crazy, but, um, I, you know, I've never tanked a gig. Yeah. And, and every single time I play live in front of people, whether it's a cover gig for fucking three people or, 20,000 at a festival, dude, I'm there to play the songs to the best of my ability. Like for me, just cause I want it to sound great. Totally. Um, which is sort of like the reverence I have for music in general, because if you ask me, music saved my life hundred percent. It's my sword and shield. That's what's up, dude. All right, so before we get further into the timeline, though, I want to go back just a little bit because we got to Slayer, but I, we also like to hear about how um, things snowball for people once they get the metal bug, you know, and how they were discovering new music. What was the first, like, real brutal death metal shit that you heard or anything else that was as, as extreme as that? Like, take us through that a little bit. Well, going back post, immediate post, rain and blood episode we'll call that fucking you know patient zero day or whatever right you know i went back got hella weights what the fuck like i was like damn this is even more evil shortly after i got rain and blood like south of heaven came out so this is 88 by that point dude i discovered creator from like magazines and you would look in thanks lists of, Mm -hmm. of bands Mm-hmm. And you would see the bands that they thank. So then you'd go look for this shit. Like you had to go to these things called record stores back then. Right. Yeah. And fucking take a gamble. Yeah. You know what I mean? And back in those days, we'd walk over to like the letter D. And because there was always something fucking good in D, S, M. You know, I remember the day I found Pestilence Consuming Impulse. I was like, oh, look at that. A fucking cool P band. I remember the album cover. This is already 88, maybe? I think 88 or 89, and it already said, like, ultra-brutal death metal. Like, it was already a fucking thing. But going back before that, it was the same situation where I was in school. I'm a total thrash head. You know, Slayer, Creator, Dark Angel. Um, That's my steady diet. Nuclear Assault I was really into. Um, You know, the fucking real thrash. The fucking gnarly shit. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to hear the fucking snare go as fast as I could. Pop, 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 pop. So this dude comes up to me at school, this guy, Rob Watson, and he goes, <laughs> it goes, you think Slayer's heavy? Listen to this shit. And he hands me Scream Buddy Gore. Mm. I mean, I look at, I remember, it's a cassette. And I remember looking at the album cover and going, yeah. holy fuck. And these motherfuckers are just called straight up death? Yeah, I still love that artwork. Dude, I, I, you know, put the cassette in my Walkman, which are these contraptions that played cassettes back in the day. Yep. Put on my motherfucking headphones and just press play and went. I was like, bro, these guys took 
that part of Hello Waits where he goes, Hello Waits, or whatever, and just made the whole vocal that. And dude, from the <laughs> word go, I hmm. went, I fucking love this shit. This yeah. is the fucking shit right here. And right there, like, you know, a year later, uh, Leprosy came out. And I'll never forget that. I mean, Leprosy to me is the album that really says, hey, dudes, same motherfucking thrash metal. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. This here is fucking death metal. This is some different shit. Right. It's not that. This is some different shit. And that was the record where I was just like, everything comes after leprosy for me. Um, you know, right after that was slowly rewrought from obituary, mm -hmm. um, fucking altars of madness. And I mean, that's it. And that's the boom dude, a left-hand path. I remember when that record was like talked about, Oh, there's a, like there's fucking death metal in Sweden. What the fuck? Yeah. So, you know, again, this is all pre fucking internet, man. Like you don't even hear about Sweden in 1989. Like here's just this fucking mm -hmm. Scandinavian shit. Snow. There's motherfucking snow there. Yeah. And you know, and then that was it, man. Floodgates were open. And that was the death metal boom of the nineties, man. Hell yeah. It's so sad. I love hearing that. Cause I, there's always a part of me that wanted to experience it. Cause that was, you know, we were just the next ones. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was fucking rad, dude. Like you could yeah. go to the store <laughs> and yeah, you were yeah. just like, Oh, oh, that's a Dan Seagrave album cover. It was fucking yeah. recorded by who? I'm we have our shit. version of that though. You know, I still, we yeah. record stores. I still, to this day, well, we still had records. Well, not, not Joseph, but Anthony. I spent that, hours at Amoeba. An or Anthony and I are old enough to remember buying music and having cds or, or flipping through they, when you were saying the d section i'm like i remember literally yeah. just i would go it would, it, i would spend like three hours in amoeba if i was by myself and just flip through every oh, single yeah. one so so here's the question here's the, the somewhat psychological question has music become less valuable to the way younger generations because it's so easily accessible in other words, you put in some effort, like mm -hmm. you had to buy music, like in a physical place to mm -hmm. fucking hear it. Right. You know what I mean? You had to get in a goddamn car and drive to a destination. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to really kind of put in some work to get a record. And it was, you know, yeah, I, there was the satisfaction of getting that great record to yeah. the one that you weren't expecting to be as great as it was or, you know. We we definitely uh, took chances, like you said, rolled the dice. We called them luck of like, the draw. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I remember when I bought the first Deicide record. I put that fucking shit on in my house, and I was like, "Bro, I'm not religious, but I think the devil is in my fucking house now." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it fucking it. blew the the fucking hair off your fucking head, man. Oh yeah, what a fucking time, dude cannibal yeah. corpse like dude when when by the time tomb of the mutilated came out like yeah. you know that was just like and then i was actually in that scene in in ace ventura no shit you were in the in the crowd i was in the crowd hell yeah really in in the movie yeah they filmed that <laughs> yeah, shit yeah. Uh, this is a funny story so i'm at this drum shop called resurrection drums so cool. i'm wearing a cannibal corpse shirt like 
fucking serendipity. This dude walks in, or he's already there, and he goes, hey, I'm picking up a drum set for that band. I was like, what? <laughs> this fucking band? He goes, yeah, we're shooting a movie with Jim Carrey. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, yeah, come tomorrow at 9 a.m. to the Cameo Theater in, my, in South Beach. Uh, here's my card. You, you and your brother are, are two extras. So we fucking drove down there the next morning and sure as shit, man, there's cannibal corpse on stage and <laughs> Ace Ventura does a goddamn, you know, a stage dive into the crowd. It was fucking crazy, man. I was further back because, yeah. you know, we're little kids, man. I was like, man, I'm not going because yeah. they were fucking moshing for real because they were like, yeah. dude, let it rip. So it was all like the Miami skinhead guys just go fucking ape shit, man. I yeah, went, so nope. We dude. talked to Paul about that shooting, yeah. that scene, shooting that scene. And uh, how was he there? Was, we had him on the show. Paul, Paul no, but was Cannibal. he there? Oh, no, that... oh, no, 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 not the not Paul Massivall, Paul from Cannibal. Sorry. Oh, okay. He was talking about uh, what it was like to shoot that scene, you know, and how they yeah. had to act like they were playing, but really, yeah, they just played like the first. And I never yeah, I even really thought that. about that because it, yeah. they wouldn't have been able to get clean um, audio yes. on. So, on so how old, what was that like from the audience perspective? Were they up there like? I mean, it's probably like, it's probably what it's like if you shoot a video for your band where you play like a section just over and over. Cut. Yeah. Reset. Fucking tap muscles up. Get the shit. All right. Go. You know, rolling. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Kicka, gun, gun, gun. Kicka, bomb, 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 And then, you know, dude, you know, I think they did probably up to like the second part of it. I don't know. Whatever. They just kept doing that shit over and over. Yeah. Yeah. But, That's but all. Did, they just get it in a bunch of different silence, angles. Though? Like he, huh? he said, there, he, he said there was like a scene where maybe it was a different shot or something. But he said like there was a part where they had to like pretend like they were playing and they couldn't. Oh yeah, hit. the whole time. Well, I mean, it's kind of the whole time because it was just playback, and this is like pre in ears. Like nobody, you know, you just fucking heard whatever you could hear. So they were doing that every time you were saying like, and yeah. they were playing music or something like on a stereo or something. Yeah. Oh, okay, and you know what's funny is that they're they're re he's saying they're re they're redoing just like the first part of the song or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I remember noticing watching that movie, and then when he comes back in and they're playing, they had already they like restarted Hammer Smash Face again, so they just keep playing yeah. the same song over and over and over again. I said, I, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, this wasn't as cool as I thought it would be because <laughs> you know, I was just like, we're gonna go see Cannibal Corpse, and then it was just like. Oh man, they're just pantomiming at the same fucking minute and a half of this goddamn song. This yep, sucks. Yep. Did you know who Jim Carrey was like at the time? Oh or yeah, because he was like a big and living color guy, yeah. and yeah, you know yeah. we are, he was really pretty famous by then. So I mean, all he had to tell me at that drum shop was Jim Carrey shooting a fucking comedy, like, and uh, he actually wanted this band to be the band in the movie, and I was like, yeah. no shit, wow. Yes. So cool, and you've you've seen that classic clip of Jim Carrey talking about Napalm Death and stuff. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. That's sick, dude. I'll say, I'll say, Mr. Show and Living Color, then other sketch shows after that. Those dude, are my of course, top Fire, two. Fire Marshall Bill would be the one into death metal, <laughs> dude. I mean, it's just it, it, you. 
if you were around back then, yeah, that was the first kind of show of his kind. I, I think it like crushed, it crushed like Saturday Night Live. Like it was just comedy oh, yeah. gold. Oh, I love In Living Color, dude. I still Such, do. Yeah, so, and they, I, it's all so, potent shit too. Like, I mean, it was only a few yeah. seasons, but it's all like top, top shelf shit. Yeah, no, those guys were firing on all cylinders, man. Yep, and it was a great cast too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So. Where were we? We're, now we got on the sketch. Now, now, now we've moved into the early '90s, man. At least we, we, <laughs> we clicked it up a, a couple of notches. Yeah, Wait, I, I just, I, I'm late to the to the party. I just wanted to ask. I'm sure you might have talked about it, but um, so Gus, you were born in Venezuela and then moved to America when I was only ten months old. So okay, I mean, from my earliest memory is you know Florida. So it's for me, I'm a I'm a Floridian. Okay, I was I, I've never uh, heard you speak, and I was wondering like how long before you'd move. So ten months. So yeah, not much. So. Yeah, man. I uh, but I speak fluent in Spanish too, because in my house, you know, everybody spoke English or uh, Spanish. But I grew up in Broward County, Florida, which is north of Miami. Mm-hmm. I know people born in Miami that talk like these because they were growing up in Miami and nobody, you know what I mean? Like nobody spoke English, but I grew up in Broward with, you know, mostly white kids. So I ended up sounding like a fucking American. And, um, are you like Venezuelan, uh, ethnically also like, um, I mean, Venezuela is just a country I was born in. You know, I, I kind of just look at it as, you know, you are Espanol perfectamente bien, but, you know, am I a Latino? I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm a Latin guy, but if you looked at me and 99% of the world looks at me, they see a white guy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. Man. I'm a day just... walker. <laughs> just, <laughs> I live just, amongst uh, you yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I spend more time on metal archives than, than these guys. And I was just, that stood out to me. So I just wanted to follow up on that a little bit, but, uh, Anyway, yeah, I will keep the timeline going. You guys have caught up further than me, so I guess um, you're in the early '90s and yeah. joining Malevolent was the was the big story at that point. I mean, you know, Malevolent was the band in our town that like made it. Like, I remember hearing them on the local the radio station on Sunday nights would play local bands. Like, I mean, it, so much has fucking changed. Jesus. Yeah, there was like a station that played your local band. Mm-hmm. And I had heard Malevolent Creation a bunch. Like I heard the name or, you know, you see them on flyers and shit. And all of a sudden I hear their demo and it's like killer Morrison production. And I'm like, damn, these guys recorded a fucking Morrison. Then next thing you know, they're on goddamn Roadrunner. And they have an album out with a goddamn Dan Seagrave cover. We're like, damn, these motherfuckers did it. And that was the thing that it was a big a big thing in your area especially when everything's coming out of tampa that you're like damn so it is possible like we don't have to live in tampa to fucking make it in this in in death metal Mm -hmm. so you know little band this band called sickness with kyle and you know i don't think that band was any worth the shit until i took drum lessons i mean i was a fucking terrible drummer so was that the first band you had like got serious with was sickness sickness was the first band um that you know if it wasn't for again everything's like a piece of a puzzle or whatever but right you know that was 
the first real band I was in that we rehearsed and played shows and we recorded a, you know, I recorded my first song when I was 15 fucking years old. So, yeah. Um, you know, just again, I think it just goes back to when I was a kid, I just knew like, this is what I got to do, man. This is what I got to do. And I think when I saw Dave play drums, I was like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be in his position and his level clearly that's the bar so I, I either fucking pony up or i'm out this game and for me failure was not an option i think that's yeah. why even when he was like dude you're terrible i was like okay well fucking let's fix this shit yeah and you know that's what that's i did a good way to look at it dude it's a great way to look at things anything really you know if somebody if you you see somebody you respect that does a lot better and maybe they're not total asshole about it but give you some constructive criticism tell you you're you're doing something wrong or whatever it that i don't think that i mean the younger you are you could take that in a wrong way like you i could think of myself in my you know late teens early 20s and you know taking criticism as from a more egotistical perspective you know but in reality it's something that could be a tool and and motivate you to to become just as sick as whoever i mean gave you that i advice. was raised with nothing but tough love if that's what you want to call it but you know i don't know any other way so like when he was like dude get up mm -hmm. i mean i did it sting i was like oof that sucks but i immediately there was no I don't have any recollection of any, any other feeling. I'm like, well, fuck it, man. Let's, let's fix this shit. I, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm you know, I, I react. And to this day, like when I write a piece of music or I record something, I only send it to people that I think are going to tell me the truth. Right. You know, there's no, there's no, uh, you're not doing anybody any favors in my opinion. If you tell them what they want to hear, you know, yeah, I, I I think you're you're being actually a shitty friend. I think a real friend is like, oh man, that might be like this could be a little bit better. I mean, you know, a real friend's going to tell you the truth because he cares. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, okay, so sickness. How long did that last before you? Or, and, and, you know, talk about, you know, what kind of lessons, where, where did you make some, where did you feel you made some, like, you know, big steps in your skill set as a player? I mean, what I learned with Dave Colross was 100% foundational. Like, it, and to me, you can't build a structure that's going to hold without a solid foundation. So, Colross was critical in my in my you know career mm -hmm. but it wasn't until i started taking lessons with sean reiner um back in 96 that you know that dude like cracked my head open and just shoved information in um you know that's when i became from the sean influence you know i think that's where I'd like to think I became like a, a much better player musician, you know, cause Sean's thing was like uh, being a musician who plays drums. Don't be a drummer, be a fucking musician that plays drums, like absorb everything and, and 
play accordingly. Like a lot of our lessons were just listening to music and him asking me like, Hey, so why do you think he did this? Or, you know, what would you have done or things like that? So, um, you know, those were just like life changing lessons for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, how long did those types of sessions last? Uh, you know, we have, you know, him and I eventually just became really good friends. Yeah. So how, talk about how you became, how you guys met and uh, was it just through the scene? Well, I was working at a drum shop at the time and this kid comes in with a cynic shirt and I was like, dude, fucking red shirt. And he was like, yeah, the drummer is a, a PE teacher at my school. I went, what the fuck did you just say? because at this point like you know i've heard i'm a you know cynic i remember listening to human with headphones going "Uh oh Mm -hmm. i don't even understand what's happening that's how fucking advanced this shit is i don't even know what's happening right now so when i when i when this kid told me he was a teacher to school or substitute teacher i said bro i'll give you a fucking pair of sticks for free right now you give me that motherfucker's number or ask him if he gives drum lessons and if the answer is yes, give me his number. So this kid, you know, whatever, this is pre-internet or whatever. So like he shows up a few days later and he's like, Hey man, he said, it's, it'd be cool to give you lessons. I'm sure me working at a music store helped because he's probably like, Hey, if I need shit from a drum shop, I got a guy. So, um, we called, I called him on the phone. He came to the store after closing time. And, you know, he walks in and I was just like, Jesus fucking showed up. You know what I mean? Like he was just the, like far and away my favorite drummer in the world at the time, like far and away. And, um, me too, to this day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I just start and I'm like, dude, can you, can you, sh- you know, so for, he was like, let me watch you play. But at this point, thankfully, with the lessons from Cool Ross, I had good foundation and I, I played properly. Um, so I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have even bothered with me if I was just like, you know, he could tell right. I'm schooled. And, hey, I took several lessons. Like, I know, you know, what I'm doing. I just, I certainly don't play like you. Um, and I was like. Dude, show me how to play flat navy motions and, and secret face and blah blah. And he goes, dude, true story. He goes, dude, if you want all death and cynic stuff, just buy the CD and just listen to it. If you if you want to become a better player, well, that's this. We're not going that route. We're going a different way. And I was like, oh shit, I just made him angry. Fuck. And I was like, no, 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 man. Whatever you think is the best course of action for me as a player. You tell me to jump, bro, and I'm like, how high and, you know, and how? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we started studying, you know, the art of bop, like uh, Gary Chester's, god damn, I forget, stick control, like, you know, book stuff. And then I would drive like an hour and a half down to him. And... um he would give me an hour long lesson and then we would just like hang out and listen to music. And that's when he would, that's when I think I learned the most, just like our talks. And, um, 
Man, I miss that fucking dude. Um, and I remember I, I would say to him, hey, man, can I just watch you fucking play drums? Because to me, drums is a very physical instrument. And if you know what to look for, you can learn an awful lot by watching somebody who's really good play. Mm -hmm. Pick up things, you know, you're like, oh, I see what he's doing with his hand or whatever. So, you know, luckily through the years, I got to watch Sean play all of human, all of cynic focus. Like I've sat behind him like, you know. Mm -hmm. So he was a substitute teaching at that. Yeah, time at, a, at, a, Florida? at a private school. Okay. Wow. And. Uh, is it this is the story that Paul moved to California before Sean and then Sean followed him? I don't or did they... remember who moved first because this is 96. Like, Cynic was way over with, and um, yeah, it was Paul interesting because, dude, first. in Sean's mind, and this is how he was to the end, man. He was just so humble. He was like, ah, dude, who remembers anything about Cynic or death? And I was like, dude. <laughs> You don't even know. I yeah. set up his first drum clinic that I had to fucking yank him by the ear to do. Because he's <laughs> like, man, there's going to be nobody there. No one gives a shit. And I was like, dude, just let me do this. And I, and I had a guy at Guitar Center. And I was like, dude, Sean Ryder, I'm going to fucking get him to do a clinic. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know. So we put a I put the clinic together for him. And we sh I remember we walk in together. And he was like holy shit, there's people here. And I just look at him and I go, bro, when are you going to listen to me? And um, so the clinic was cool. And then shortly after that, he moved to California, which I remember being super bummed about. Yeah. But, you know, we stayed in touch, man. Like, we were buddies. And uh, I remember when he picked, I went to Los Angeles in like 2002 or one or something. And he picked me up at the airport and uh, I remember I threw my bag in his trunk, closes a lid, and there's like a big old rainbow flag. And he just looks at me and he goes, yeah, dude, I'm gay. And I went, I don't give a fuck. Let's go yeah. to In-N-Out. I'm hungry, bro. Like, <laughs> I just really didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to this day, like, I don't give a fuck what you do, man. You're, if you're a cool dude or a cool girl or a cool whatever you want to be, I don't give a shit. And I yeah, think I that's when what... he really... You know, we became even closer because back in those days, you know, it's a different world. And he was closeted as fuck. And I was yeah. probably the first dude, heterosexual dude from the metal scene that was just like, I don't give a shit, man. We're cool. You're cool. I still think you're the greatest drummer in the world, so I don't give a fuck. Um, you know, and then we just fucking... Yeah, you guys connect on. That's what is so. That's what's so funny about that situation. If anybody has like issues with that, it's like you connect with person because of their art. You know, so why would their sexual orientation have anything to do with anything? You know, I mean, I can tell you, I think a lot of heads straight are like, I can't be friends with a gay guy because he's going to hit on me, dude. I was friends with that dude for twenty five years. We slept in the same hotel rooms together on tour. Like, you know what I mean? Never, ever fucking. It was, we were like siblings, dude. We were like just siblings. You that's know, brothers. Just, that's not. Yeah, that's just. It's, it's twisted thinking. The people are humans, dude. I've known so many people that are gay. And I've, my, I have family uh, yeah. that's gay. And I, I have 
so much fun with when I go out with them. Actually, their bars and clubs are fucking fun, dude. So I, I mean, I, it was I, just it's just a I, to me, it's just like I mean, I used to joke and be like, "Hey, man, more chicks for me," you know? Like, I don't give a fuck, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting how like over time things become more accepted and it's like more normal and stuff. But when you go back into decades past, you're like, oh, it yeah. wasn't. You Dude, know? he then, moved. Like, Sean yeah. Reiner moved to California just to fucking be gay, dude. I mean, you know, music and you know, I'm a music thing, but he really just moved there so he could just be who the fuck he wanted, you know, and and not around anybody he knew and start a new life, man. And that. It sucks that you he felt he had to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh respect. Yeah. Think of all like the close minded dudes that got bummed out when Rob Halford came out. That was like <laughs> the old school, just like, wait, what? Like, no. I mean, he's the pioneer. I remember when Sean came out in yeah. like 2017, like recently, he was mm. so fucking scared, just like the drum clinic. Just like the first time we went to the NAM show together, he was like, dude, I'm so nervous. No one's gonna know who I am. And you know, he's just so like, you think like, dude, you're Sean fucking Reiner. Right. But he, dude, to the very end, man, he's just like such a humble dude that, you know, he knew his shit stank just like everybody else's shit stinks. We're humans. Um, was he growing weed when he's still in, in Florida or is that something? No, that was doing? a, you know, that was definitely a California, um, you know, legal enterprise that he had going on does florida gotcha. have good places to grow weed like is their climates good for certain strains i don't know i don't know where this shit comes from i just partake <laughs> <laughs> that's a quote right there <laughs> i just yeah, I, mean, I mean you know these days dude uh, dude if you come across bad weed you you, you fucked up like there's good weed everywhere <laughs> That's what it's, I, yeah, it's like, you have to like really search for bad weed now. Yeah. If you get like, bad I mean, weed, even, like, even in, I was in London on the first night of the left to die tour. I took one fucking hit of this joint and I was like, whoa. Yeah. I'm fucking so rock, bro. Weed's so good. Now they have shit called dad grass. Here's your free plug dad grass. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like hemp with just a very very low amount of thc for guys who want to smoke like weed from the 70s you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense i and, and totally get it like the, the old guys that that are just like where the fuck's the weed Cause, dude, you can't smoke? smoke a joint today let's be honest dude if you smoke a whole joint of that <laughs> shit today you're like no yeah. way yeah Anthony. That, i started this one in the beginning of the show dude Fuck that. <laughs> you see those like uh, high times 1990s, like the, the lived like, it, man. Train, train of the I year, lived it. It's like it's like brown and whatever, you know, like, yeah, totally. Dude, yeah. that, that good weed in my area came around once a year. We used to call it Christmas bud because it only <laughs> came the last two weeks of December and you had to buy up as much of this fucking shit as you could because then once that was gone. He went back to smoking what we call regs, which is regular weed. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Those are some dark times, boys. We <laughs> had like weird. a mech down here, like, you know, mechs, mech weed. The, we called it mechs, yeah. Yeah. And you then, Californians, man, you guys are some spoiled motherfuckers with that shit. We are, dude. Even I, in uh, the 90s, like late 90s when I was coming up, like, you yeah. know, you could always get the, 
like the chronic but as you call it you know like the og and all that stuff yeah well being so close to the emerald triangle dude i mean you drive four hours for me it's four hours near to tahoe you know it's like yeah you, you can go or humboldt's not you know how far well now now bag. now the shit's the cat's out of the bag we can all get good shit quit being a fucking well that not <laughs> only that it's like uh you can buy a, a grow tent on fucking amazon probably for like 200 bucks and just throw six plants in your house and you're you're set for your personal use dude that's something mm-hmm. that i'd eventually like to be doing but i need a i remember i remember first. going to sean's uh one year um because i used to stay with him every time we go to the nam show i'd stay with him and i sit on his couch and he just drops a fucking hefty garbage bag just to the top with nugs and i was like (laughs) yeah oh my god (laughs) and like (laughs) i remember one day he didn't go to the nam show but I went, and he's like, how much do we do you need to bring? And I was just like, I don't know. Give me a nug. He was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't need eight ounces of weed for one day. I'm cool, man. It's a, it's all good. Christmas Sick. bud, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm checking your long uh, page for when the next dates show up. I don't know if this is an important band, but uh, it says that you joined – uh, cult of Azazel uh, in 2000 to play some. Oh, uh, I mean, I did, I did records. Um, and I did play with them live s- several times. Um, oh, I see the records I, here now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even remember the name of the album, but it, it's a fucking you know, it's black metal. Shit rips. I don't think I can yeah. play that shit today. <laughs> so that was uh, black metal out of Florida. Yeah. Okay. That was uh, past, I know level of creation sound guy. Uh huh. Sorry, I was just gonna say shout out Dave Cole Ross Jr.'s in the chat with us tonight too. We were just talking about Cole Ross not too long ago. So what up, homie? Yeah, yeah. talking talking a lot about your pops, man, and how, dude. Uh, again, man, fucking Dave Cole Ross was uh, critical to to my career. Like I'm eternally grateful to that dude. Talk oh, to yeah. your pops, David. <laughs> yeah, let's get him on. Yeah, man, nothing but respect for that guy. I'll tell you, man, to the fucking the entire time I was in Malevolent Creation, he was always the bar that I was measured to. Like, you know, as he as good as Cole Ross, which you know, let's be honest, I'm probably not, but you know, I, I gave it a fucking as as good of you know as as, as I gave it as good as I could. I've always had you in the same conversation as Cole Ross growing up listening to the Florida scene and stuff. I always had you guys kind of neck and neck with stuff. And man, that's, that's, that's a great place to be. Totally. So are there other, other like highlights or career, uh, junctures that, that are important for you, uh, leading up to malevolent? Like I was trying to kind of fish for some bands you were in or anything else going on. You know, no man, malevolent really for me, uh, you know, even with the tumultuous, you know, ending of it, which was completely unnecessary. Um, man, I'm very grateful for my time in that band. And, and I'm, you know, that's really, you know, for me to be my first tour I ever did was headlining Europe with malevolent creation. Like, I mean, that's, 
that's a really you know that's a blessing man that's that's totally. a that's that lucky break mm -hmm. that you dream of and it's honestly mm -hmm. like it's not even till very recently that i can back at things like that and start to appreciate them like appreciation is like a very recent uh feeling to get because like you know for me it was just like i didn't even know what that felt what but it feels like to to like be grateful for things not it's not in like an asshole way but i was always just like i don't deserve good things so everything i get i just work fucking super hard and you know but now i can look back and go no that was a lucky break man you know mm -hmm. you know going out with malevolent because everything came from that what was right. the some, tour, what was the tour package for that europe tour that first tour was malevolent, uh, cataclysm, mm -hmm. and catastrophic, which was Trevor's post obituary band. Yep. And then after like three or four weeks of being over there or something like that, it was a long tour, if I remember. We then hopped on this festival tour with Immortal, Hypocrisy, Vader. I mean, it was like fucking, for me, first tour. I was like, I'm a fucking rock star. <laughs> so, you know, all the bullshit aside, man, I, 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 you know, if, if, if I saw Phil today, I would definitely just be like, Hey dude, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you know, that, you know, a, a lot of things came my way from being in malevolent. So I'm grateful. Hell yeah, dude. And no matter what, dude, especially first tours, like there's always the memories of the cool shit that happened that always will stick with you. Like I always think about like we may have been broke and fucking living, basically sleeping in the van and friends' houses by the end of that first tour. But that stuff doesn't really come to the surface when I want to think about that tour. It's like all the sick fucking shit that happened. All the and being stuck in the van with these guys for thirty days in a row, and I mean, you got to think. Number one, how many humans are going to have an experience like that? Not many, totally. And narrow it down: how many people that play an instrument are going to have that experience? Not many. Mm -hmm. So you know, just to be able to be on a stage. And, you know, exp express yourself in this, 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 you know, this gift of music, man, is, it's a blessing. It's great. And to have, and to have people, you know, not only giving you their attention, but, uh, knowing your songs and, you know, with, uh, my other band severed that, well, that was kind of the first time where I'd see people singing along in the crowd. To, and i'm like whoa that's crazy people are mouthing the shit that i'm saying to them right now and <laughs> it's the greatest i mean for me i never ever 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 i don't give a fuck if i'm having the worst day ever like i never fail to always remember the fans are fucking equally as important as the van y'all because if it wasn't we you know silence it's the yeah. fans that drive the fucking world man so you know especially out with like the left to die thing where people are always just so like man thank you so much for playing with these guys and i'm like hey dude i'm just happy to be here number one number two thank you for fucking coming here and still caring 
Right. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> exactly. You know, you guys, you know, for people that guys in bands that lose sight of that, like, dude, if people don't go to your show, you're fucking nobody. So be right. appreciative. Most definitely, dude. Here, here. No matter if it's, and we've all had the the yeah. low capacity or the low attendance shows, and you still give it your all well, for those twenty you know, kids, you know. Like we talk about playing like this extreme music and death metal and stuff, and of course it's not like a huge money maker, but people do make you know or have. Did I not met? Did I just say severed but, earlier, Gilbert? Is he? Oh yeah, yeah okay. severed savior. Yeah. Sorry, but the point is that. I know a lot of people that play music that to us metal guys would be like way more accessible and like they play this kind of stuff or reggae or these kind of things and whatever. And like, but they like, they've some people they're just like, Oh, you've toured. Like I've never toured. Like that's crazy. You know, it's like, yeah. And I was playing death metal. That's so weird. Like, I mean, you know, like, I talk to normal people all the time and you know, they're fascinated by death metal. And I'm always like, look, it's a really small genre. But it's a fucking it. global genre. True. I've been mm -hmm. all over this goddamn planet because of this atrocious music. <laughs> so, you know, death metal fans are different, man. And and I have like a whole psycholog psychological theory on why death metal fans are different. And, you know, and it has to do with like me when I first listened to Rain and Blood. How the fuck does a nine-year-old resonates so intensely with this fucking super terrible music. You know, you play Rain and Blood for a hundred people, 99.999% of them be like, what the fuck is that? But when guys like us listen to death metal or, or thrash metal or any kind of extreme metal, it reaches a part of us. I feel like it fills a hole that most of us have. Mm -hmm. And that's why death metal is so universal because it's just the most common thing in the world to, 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 to you know, for some of us, it's a, you want to belong for some of us it's because you felt like you belong where, and there's just fucking crazy music and you can totally. see one dude out of 20,000 and he's wearing a fucking deicide shirt. You're like, bro, we're homies. Yep. We've already and that's already a really interesting steps socially. It's like that's what I I feel. It's like there's certain hoops that you gotta jump through when you meet somebody for the first time. But if you guys, dudes wearing a, a suffocation uh -huh. shirt and I'm wearing a spawn of possession shirt, insta broach. There's there's like five yeah, hoops the, we just jumped through. You gotta watch out now, because like, it's like in, in Beverly Hills, you got like Kim Kardashian wearing like you know <laughs> morbid angels or whatever. I mean, it's gotten a little skewed lately, but it's weird. Like you know, Justin Bieber. Nah, shows you know, dude. All right, then something a little more undo than. <laughs> I mean, you see a dude with tattoos and a fucking Slayer shirt. Yeah, chances are pretty good he listens to Slayer. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a model chick, like you know, in, in Hollywood, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you see something like that, you know, I think you, you know, you just it's the thing. Though, again, yeah. man, I think psychologically, uh, a person that listens to extreme music, whether it's even hardcore or punk rock, you know, the outcast, there's there's something there psychically that unites us all, and oh. you know, it's much similar like people that really love horror movies, like horror conventions. Mm -hmm. Dude, psychologically, those people are death metal people. Whether they listen to whatever they listen to, I know it's chances like are exactly death metal. 
and it's like they're not exactly the same but i kind of feel like it's like the, the best comparison like with with death metal music it's kind of like it's like the horror movie genre you know and, or just i say it to normal people all the time i say death metal is just an audio version of a horror movie right yeah I definitely like, use that as well and, and it's like in just, just like in the movie it makes the x amount of money percentage compared to like like you know some <laughs> all level blockbuster brett brett hoffman's coined it the best he says yeah we play a uh oh what did he say old school debt metal d-e-b-t metal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> debt metal that's that's a brett hoffman copyright rest his soul <laughs> it's good chili up in this fucking shop debt metal. <laughs> yeah um so yeah. so what are your what are your bands that you're playing with these days dude so I do gruesome, which um, we're working on a new album now, which I got to tell you, um, you know, without getting into that, but you know, four ago or three years ago, there was just no way in the world I was even gonna uh, mental close to what because it's our next record is supposed to sound like you know it's the human record. Mm-hmm. So I remember calling Sean in November of 2019. And telling them I'm fucking terrified. Like it's been pretty easy with gruesome until now. Now I got to step into that dude's ring, and mm-hmm. you know, dude, I'm nowhere near the player that Sean Reiner was. No fucking way. Um, so I called him and I was like, dude, I need to come over to your house, and you got to help me write this shit. And and this is the kind of dude he was. It's like the hell you don't. You don't need me. You got this. Which. <laughs> You know, that dude was fucking my biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, long story short, just recently, very, very, very recently, I've become okay with a lot of things. One of which is like, okay, this next gruesome record is like my love letter to my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be a ton of people that are going to be like, oh, it's nowhere near Reinhardt's playing. Yeah, no fucking shit. It's nowhere near Reinhardt's playing. But I'm going to just do what I do because that dude was my bro. And a lot of the way I play today is still so much of him. And um, okay. so that's the next thing. Um, there's uh, actually probably next week I'm recording a Left to Die song that Rick Ross wrote. Okay. So left to die original music coming at you at some point so until now it's been just the covers of the early material and it's been a live act yeah that's it man and then on this last tour rick starts playing a riff and i went hey what's that and he goes i wrote wrote some riffs and i was and in my mind i'm like that's the guy that wrote primitive ways if the guy that wrote primitive ways writes a new riffs that's fucking leprosy 2.0 for me. So I, I'm all, I'm all for that shit. I mean, not to mention from fucking beyond it. So, you know, I'm just grateful to be a part of that. Um, and then, uh, the kill division, we just put out a new as a grindcore band, uh, with Dirk Verburen on drums, uh, Kyle Simons on vocals and me on guitar. Uh, on the record, it was Jeremy Kling, and he mixed the first record. 
Uh, we just put out a, or a new EP for pre-order through Redefining Darkness. Plug. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you like that old 90s uh, terrorizer, napalm death, brutal truth style grindcore, check it out. Sick. And you play guitar for them? I play guitar in that band. So <laughs> all these goddamn years I had to get the drummer from fucking Megadeth to play drums with me so for me to be a, <laughs> a guitar player. <laughs> God damn. Hey. Dirk, is, for FYI, in my opinion, Dirk is the best drummer in metal. When I watched that dude play all of the fucking Hoagland, Reinert, and Richard Christie death shit, I was like, no, this dude's the best. I don't give a shit. Sick. Nice. Um. um Big fan of uh, was the scarf was his. Oh fan? yeah, I mean no, Dirk. Yeah, I mean his soil work. Guys, guys, a fucking phenomenal musician. Just musician, like drummers yeah. beneath him. That dude's just a musician. For sure. That's sick. I definitely need to check that out. I, I I threw the logo on the flyer, and I'm like, damn, I should check this out before the episode. I didn't get around to it, so now I'm like, now I definitely uh, have to. I mean, similar to like gruesome gruesome was very every single piece of gruesome is 100 percent thought out and intentional the cover the layouts song title everything so you know for me it was just like with kill division i wanted people to just dude you take one look at that album cover and you know what you're getting mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's the guitars are tuned to d standard just like it used to be you know the tempos aren't crazy it's just classic old school grindcore with a lot of punk and hardcore influence still left in there. Hell yeah. I want to, if you're into that kind of thing, I want to go back into, uh, the deep end we were just in. Cause now you guys got my mind thinking about, I never really asked myself in, in words, maybe it might be lingering in my head somewhere, but it's like, why is it? It's got, it's just gotta be passion for the art but what else is the driving force of all these people around the world wanting to play a style of music that, and it's very hard to make it a career, but they want to just in like inject it into their, they want to have so much of their life be a part of it, but they can't, it, but it ends up being like you're scraping along to make it. It's really like a starving artist type situation, but it's so we love doing it so much. I have a psychological theory and in therapy for years. I'm a fucking survivor child abuse. Like I'm fucked up, but I've learned a lot, a lot. And I think art here's, and here's the thing. I, and, and there's a lot of corroborating evidence to my theory. I think people that become obsessed with art, whether that's music or art or whatever. Um, and if you look it up, the suicide rates amongst people like that are incredibly high. And in my opinion, it's because uh, when you come across something that fills that cavity in your soul, your mind, or however you want to look at it due to some sort of trauma, likely it hits you in a way where it just, it, 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 it soothes your soul more than anything ever has. So you just become obsessed with it. It's just this thing that you just need it to breathe. 
in other words, like if you have no problems and your life was just fucking awesome from day one, I find that those are probably the people that just go to college and get a job and like, you know, you ask them who their favorite band is. They're like, oh, you know, I like whatever's on the radio. Like people like that, they don't know trauma. And I, again, this is just my theory, but I think people that find, whether it's acting or it's fucking painting or graphic arts or playing music, whatever form of art that is, for it to consume you enough that you devote your life to it, it's occupying a void somewhere in here that allowed it to metastasize in your psyche enough that it's like it takes over and it's like, nah, man, this is the shit because everything else has sucked until now. So let's focus on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's I, uh, I kind of, I mean, I mostly agree with that. I don't necessarily think that it has to be trauma that would have, no, to no, no. To a point. It doesn't have yeah. to be, but it, it, because I'm thinking like everybody help everybody has you know there's a, a everybody has their own little or big traumas that happen throughout their life the one ex, the existential angst of of you know one day it's gonna fucking be over that's also just a, a a thing that's could be just lingering for people too so like even if you don't realize you're you're we you have some kind of you know death anxiety lingering throughout the day um something that gives you an excitement to be alive <clears throat> but even that is typically you. born of somebody that experienced death at a young age chuck Schuldiner. his brother mm -hmm. died when he was very young dude mm -hmm. it all played a giant role i mean i learned so much about chuck from rick and terry dude listening to those fucking two dudes talk is mind-blowing here's two guys Hey man, remember that time we were in Chuck's bedroom in fucking 1984 and, and you're just like, these are the dudes that invented this shit, you know? And it turns out the death of Chuck's brother played a giant role. I mean, dude, his band was called death. He became obsessed with it. Right. Open, uh, you know, open casket. It's about his brother. It's like, you know, it's, it's all very psychologically, uh, corroborated. And so, I think, you know, also like listening to aggressive music just helps you kind of organize your aggressive feelings a little yeah. better in your head, you know, and that's why death metal dudes are more laid back and I chill. I say it all the time. People have this mis obvious misconception that, you know, it's this horrible, violent music, which again, it's like horror movies. Yeah, it is. But I think people who listen to death metal discover a very constructive and safe way to expel that negative energy. Because again, it kind of goes to like when I was nine years old and I heard rain and blood, like this is just seething darkness. But I was like, well, that's, you know, kind of all I've known in my life. So let me just go in there. Let me just live in that shit. And I'll find peace in that. Dude. I mean, being in a, a packed two, 300 capacity room, people are literally blowing off steam you know you, you could <laughs> totally smell it and taste it and feel it in the air you know it's just it, like it's, a more intense form of music or entertainment or experience like it's just faster there's more going on there's more energy more adrenaline it's like a gnarlier roller coaster as opposed to disneyland 
most people like Disneyland. You know? I mean, again, it's I think psychologically speaking, the death metal fans. If I would be so interested if some psychologist or therapist or whatever the fuck interviewed, like devised twenty questions for like some sort of psychological profile and asked like a thousand death metal fans. I would love to know the results of that. Because this music is fucking atrocious, dude. It is. You play this shit <laughs> for normal people, way. they are mortified. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, they play deicide to torture so people. It's like, fucking... it's like worse than a horror movie, dude. <laughs> I dude, right? I, isn't it? Seriously. You think it's worse than a horror movie? Almost, dude. If you well, it is. Because a horror movie a horror movie usually starts off mellow. Then it yeah. has like the peaks. Death metal is just fucked up from the word like, go. Yeah, it's like I mean, like you could have like a horror movie going on, and Imagine. your grandma walks in and she's like, "Oh no!" But like you could have like deicide plague, and your grandma walks in no, and she's just like, imagine, "You're in trouble, or that's a big problem." Or like, oh, my God. <laughs> imagine like Friday the Thirteenth, where it just it's gnarlier. It, dude, you it really see is. it; it starts, and then he's just stabbing somebody already. Yeah, keeps right. It's, it, right. That would be the death cool. metal is the equivalent of like. Opening credits. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> of us of like a social like 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 concern about someone who listens to that music as opposed to watches that movie. Because like the movie they're like, oh well yeah, he just likes the horror movie, haha, you know. But it's like they right. listen it, it to seems that much more right. Because it's not on the radio, it, it, it's not anywhere. It's like you had to dive for that. Like, mm -hmm. like horror movies are playing at the theater, so they're like essentially on the radio. They're like that's a, a great theater. observation. Correct. Like, like, but death metal is not anywhere near. Like, people just don't even they they just they, they don't even know about it. People, there's literally quite a few humans. Yeah, I'm like, sure millions and billions of people that don't yeah. even know it exists. Like that, I mean, believe me, I, I make I make a living as a good as a singer and uh, guitar player, just like cover tunes. And I'm playing mm -hmm. like fucking everything from Harry Styles to the Beatles, right? Like I just it's like how I make a living. And then sometimes I'll talk with some people, and they'll be like, "So, you know, what do you do besides this?" And I'm like, "You really want to know?" <laughs> it's yeah. like I play in a band called Gruesome and Left to Die. They're like, "Oh." This guy's kind of fucked up, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's immediately where most people probably would go. It's like, oh, dude. Or, or you I've literally that. had people say, but dude, you're kind of normal. And I'm like, oh, man, most dudes that play death metal are pretty fucking normal. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's like you, you could say, like, I made a movie called Gruesome or Left to Die with my. Wouldn't you know. think nothing. They, Wouldn't think anything really? of it. Cool. like that's really interesting you know i play in a band that the, oh geez really like, right you know, severed savior people are like what in the fuck is that yeah like how many times have you had to like kind of edit your band name for family or oh or, like, no know? i don't i i, I, I know i, 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 I mean for I, family i don't give a shit but i i not some people i just say yeah i, I travel in yeah. a in a metal band I, well, I never know say it. death metal though. I actually do just say like if I'm talking metal. Customer <laughs> find out where yeah. If you know, you don't want to know the name. Just play metal music, metal music. Because just like, oh, right, because just death metal, metal, death, just the term yeah. death metal alone is like that's some bad mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. Let me guess, you do drugs too. <laughs> <laughs> How many children have you eaten, sir? How many times have you heard it? Uh, uh, it's, it's like, or or you, I play uh, heavy metal like that. 
or death metal and they say like acid rock <laughs> acid rock yeah <laughs> you mean like, like metallica it's i don't like, know so they're like, like okay, so he's bad started so there like, yeah it's just like a gnarlier version it's like they're like okay so because they're already like okay metal like well marilyn manson or something you know like from, like mainstream you know they like know that name or something but it's like no i play like cannibal corpse like eating bodies like eating babies <laughs> and they're just like what like you know, you know what's going? funny though i find that the one thing that always makes people go oh and i go yeah or i just came back from europe or whatever they're like you went where to play this stuff and i'm yeah. like yeah no i've people you know I got paid to go to fucking Europe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I played eat a dick. stuff and people liked yeah. it. You're like, and you're like, you're like, yeah, it was great. Though. Oh, you went to Europe? Okay, you're like talking about where you went and all this. And what, what's the band called? You're like, oh, it doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. Gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, like, you know. Gruesome is so not that gnarly compared to some of the... Oh, I've, dude. I've had bands I can't even say the name on the podcast like i'm too nervous like, about it yeah. we are officially dad rock i'm i'm i mean you know we're we are old fucking people music i'm aware <laughs> that we love i will say we're, man we're, I, the new stuff dan sent me a demo of the some uh, a new song i mean it's it's considerably different than every anything else from the band for sure like it's a it's a profound departure it's human you know what i mean when you guys may not have been around but when human came out you know we're coming off of spiritual healing and leprosy and scream buddy gore we you know that's what we're expecting and all of a sudden you put this shit on and you go what the yeah. fuck just happened that's yeah like the that's guitar you know i play guitar and i play drums so as a guitar player i'm like Oh, I can't just learn these riffs. I was like, oh no, I gotta actually get good. Shit. Yeah. Okay. This is this is different. That is a real love letter if you think about it, dude, because the fact the way that gruesome does it, right, is each album is dedicated to each death album chronologically. Well, I'm sure Matt told you like that 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 came about as we, we made that up as we went along. Cause when Savage land like worked, I guess, cause when we put it out, Matt was like, this is a joke. I mean, not that we didn't care, but he was just like, dude, this is super cool and fun. But who's going to take this seriously. And then it like kind of worked. And then he was like, so what do we do now? I, really I was like, it, let's by the way, when it came out huh? and, I really liked Savage Lands, and I've I love every gruesome record. Yeah, I I love the concept. I love what you guys do. Um, I've always been just a hundred percent behind it. I'm just like fuck yeah. So thank you. I mean, I think the fact that we're very, very, very hey, dude, this is a death tribute band of sorts. Like we are not original. We didn't come up with this shit. You know, I would say we're, you know, that the talent there lies in a successful interpretation of something so great, right? Like if you're able to take something as good as that and reinterpret it in a way that thankfully a, a portion of that fan base accepted it. Mm. Hey man, that's, that's, it's admirable. Like, you know, there's, there's coolness in that. I mean, they're just more 
death songs from that style that like it's 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 anyone's grabs and you guys are just doing it like it makes perfect sense to me it's yeah. like i would love to write like a slayer album or a, you know like honor or whatever you know just go for it so i feel well it. that's sort of like you know it'll never right there was never going to ever be a spiritual healing ever again mm-hmm. so when we were when we like we're like okay this is going to be a real band what do we do all right let's just go back to the beginning and we're going to do each record Mm-hmm. sounds like a plan you know what i mean so now we've arrived at human and dude it's gonna kick everyone's butt because dude the guitar playing is ser- seriously elevated the drumming is absolutely going to be the hardest shit i will have done in my career hands down gnarly so you know i already told these guys i was like let's write this record and then i want two solid months of just playing my fucking drums every day and doing my damned hardest to even come close to the genius that was Sean Reiner. You know what I mean? All right. Do you get the opportunity to sit down on the throne every day or how often do you, how often do you play? Dude, nowhere near enough. I, I, I work. Thankfully I'm very grateful that I, I play so many gigs um, you know, it's just, it's tough to get in there, but I, I think, I don't think I know that once the demos are done, I will f- figure out a fucking way to set aside at least an hour every single day. Um, cause the last thing I'm going to do, especially when it comes to like, you know, saying thank you to Sean you know, nothing less than 100% of everything I can give to make it, you know, what I think it needs to be. So, um, you know, you're getting so emotional about how you, you know, you, you're going about this record, dude. I'm actually excited and, and very interested in hearing what's going to come out of this, dude. I mean, like when I heard the first demo that um, Matt wrote for riffs and then Dan like re-records it because Dan's a fucking guitar god. Mm -hmm. You know, when I heard it and I was like, that's a lot of double bass. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) A lot of fast double bass. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, you know, I got to get my kick chops up. And not that I, you know, it's you know i play drums in malevolent like i don't have slow feet thankfully i don't have anything like these fucking kids today but if you go back and listen to human human really never gets beyond 200 bpm it's just fucking non-stop yeah so and non-stop with like on top of it so it's like you know it's funny and my immediate thought was I wanted to call Sean and go, "Hey, thanks, asshole." <laughs> you gotta play this shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us, you know, letting us in on that and and mm-hmm. showing us um, what he meant to you. He meant a lot to us, but uh, obviously, it was your best friend and one of your best friends. You know, dude, you're gonna have a lot more of a deep connection with him we just have our you know the music that he's left behind which we're very grateful that it's that we still 
can you, you know, know I, can I live I, on I, through that. I recently really enjoyed telling his mother because um, she sent me this wonderful text the other day about how like my you know your friendship to Sean meant so much to him and you know hearing that from his mom was so heavy. Um, but I, it, it was really gave me a lot of joy to tell her, Hey, you know, I just started touring again after the, you know, the pandemic, obviously. And every single night on this tour, you know, someone wanted to talk to me about Sean mm-hmm. and I was like, your son will live on forever because he's just, his music changed so many people's lives. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just my honor to um, help carry on that legacy in the best way I can, you know? Totally, dude. And I'm I'm grateful to have been born in the time to come across it and appreciate it for what it is 20 plus years later from yeah. being exposed to him for the first time. And yeah, dude, I'll, we'll, we love talking Sean. We love talking Cynic. Yeah. We love talking Florida, dude. It's it's all super cool stuff, dude. And 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 yeah, like I said, I'm I'm I appreciate you, you know, exposing yourself and really getting in there and feeling those feelings, dude. I gotta say, it's taken me years because if we would have had this conversation even a year ago, I'd be a fucking mess. Yeah, but just I mean, this is this is going into just weeks ago where. I was at my studio. It was right when I started rehearsing gruesome songs for last week's, we played a festival last week mm-hmm. and you know, I've been just playing straight left to die songs or death songs. And it wasn't until I sat down to play the gruesome songs that I realized just how much his playing comes out in me. I remember a funny story. He sat behind me in 2017 when we played in Los Angeles. And I remember fucking asshole sits like literally two feet behind me i was like bro he's like oh don't mind me and it was funny because he instantly turned into sean reiner the drummer not my homie sean and i was like oh fucking hell and that dude tapped me on the shoulder every single time I did one of his licks, like not a single one got past him and he would just keep tapping me on the shoulder and i look back at me and go (laughs) <laughs> you know and it was just like th- there's a million sean licks in in, in the in the gruesome stuff and i kind of had this moment where i was like okay bro <sighs> you know you'll always be with me mm-hmm. totally and i kind of made peace i have i have one of his bass drum pedals like right at the edge of my my um my little drum riser and uh and one of his drumsticks so i just kind of looked at him and i was like all right bro let's do this like i'm gonna be a drummer dude for like the last three years i like resented drums i don't even want to be a drummer anymore because that's how much i'm realizing now you know it's a bit of a motherfucker when you realize that your best friend is your drum hero it's Mm -hmm. a dude it's a cataclysmic fucking explosion So severe that I wanted to quit playing drums because I realized now that every time I play drums, he comes out naturally just because he's just such an influence. 
and it made me sad every single fucking time i played drums Mm -hmm. and just a couple of weeks ago i made peace with it Mm -hmm. and literally just within the last four weeks or three weeks i was like my fucking drummer dude yeah so um you know like i kind of made peace with a lot of things i talked to his mom and sister about it and and you know yeah, I would say that, you know, if he could be looking down on you from wherever, however, right now, he'd be like, dude, what the fuck, bro? It's been three years, dude. Get the fuck back up there. You know, it's this interesting thing about grief because I realize now that somehow subconsciously I turned into like me being okay with drums is me being okay with him being gone, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite. Like, again, right. If Sean was if I could hear Sean, which dude, I hear his voice in my head all the time. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Play the goddamn drums, dude. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just grief is a bitch, man. It takes a long time. Totally, man. And the stages of it and all that. Losing oh, anyone you love, you know, any, any deep love that's lost, dude, it, it's, uh, it's definitely, I mean, that dude was like face. a sibling to me. Like, we talked about things that I don't even talk about with my actual siblings. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, yeah, that, that cataclysm when he fucking, and so unexpected, you know what I mean? Just, it, I remember Tom called me, I was at a gig and I remember looking at my phone and I saw that a missed call from Tom, Sean's husband. And, uh, it was like twelve fifteen, and I had just called Sean on the way to my gig. So I figured at this asshole lost his phone and he's just calling me back from Tom's phone. Call Tom back and he just drops that bomb on me. And I just like, dude, I don't even remember how I got home that night. Like it's just like a, a blur. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm grateful that that was the first severe death that I've experienced in my lifetimes. You know, I still have both all my family gratefully is here, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for it to be also you're kind of your north star with this instrument that has been just a pivotal you know your your whole existence man fucking crazy shit and and honestly it was through that that i refocused on guitar and you know silver lining I, i make a living now playing guitar and singing and i just know i wouldn't have gone there had that have not have happened so i wish i could talk to him and be like you know, that's the relationship me and him have. We just constantly fuck with each other. But I'd be like, hey, dude, thanks for dying. I'm kind of doing okay now. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome, man. I mean, uh, the uh, the cynic, you know, like Paul and the you know rest of cynic are paying tribute to Sean every night that they're touring on the road. They have a bunch of tours lined up after the one they just did in Latin America. Casey and I went to the secret cynic show and january this year in la and uh it's just been like you know a lot of love has been coming out i really respect all the tribute that's being you know being paid for both sean's for both sean's yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i you know for me it's like if they played in miami would i go i don't know because I, I don't know that i'd want to hear those songs without them like it would it would be painful the whole time that said, I'm very happy that people are able to experience those songs live again and uh, appreciate 
you know, what he contributed to the world. Right. So there's that part where I'm just like, okay, no, I'm cool with this. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. keep it going, man. Cool. I mean, what he was doing. Yeah. What that album was, we've spoken about it many times on the show that it, it just, the masses weren't, wasn't ready for it at the time. No, not at all. Resurgence, you know, that 10, 15 years later, where our generation caught wind of it and we were just like this is the best fucking shit ever sean is the best fucking drummer i've ever heard and it's still you know stuck with me till this day you know and and so i'm i'm happy for the younger kids that i was able to pass cynic down to and say oh it'll never end they they have an opportunity to have that live experience again which is also totally agree yeah i know yeah i'm just basically reiterating what you just fucking said but i just just, yeah no man i i I think it's um I, i you know it's it's a great thing and it's so funny like i hear to hear you guys talk you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it hits me in a way where it's like, I still get proud of them. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like you do for a sibling. Like you're like, I remember, I remember there were nights on the human tour where he was just fucking cooking, dude. Like I remember one night he played, he played suicide machine, probably 15 BPM faster than the album, just fucking tearing ass. And we got on the bus that night and I was just like, bro, you're still my favorite fucking drummer. You know, and this is, again, the kind of guy he was, shut the fuck up, dude. You know, he was just so, he he was so humble. Funny story, when I, we went to our first NAMM show together and he was all, do you guys know what the NAMM show is? Like the fucking. Yeah, Yeah, I live in Anaheim area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So he we kind of go to our first one together and he's like dude this is 2004 five i don't know pre pre i think pre-cynic like reunion and he's like dude no one's gonna even fucking know who i am like this is gonna fucking suck and uh, that night sure shit not a lot of people you know, cause he looks so different and this is, you know, there's not a whole lot of pictures of Sean currently circulating cause he was, you know, in hiatus, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that night, uh, we go to the Hilton hotel and fucking Jason Bittner comes charging us. And he's like, what the fuck? I didn't know that Sean fucking Reinert was here. And then dude, like this congregation, erupted and all these people were just like sean reiner and i remember the whole ride home he's just kind of quiet and i just kept looking at him going how many times am i gonna have to fucking tell you this dude (laughs) fucking crazy dude like what the fuck i'm like dude you changed the world for us yeah Mm -hmm. like and he just dude he never the last conversation i'd had with sean we talked about Neil Peart because Neil had just passed away days before that. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts telling me about this kid who he was intimidated to go watch live. It was some 17 year old kid who was playing in his town. And he's like, dude, this kid knows who I am. And I, I don't even want to go to this fucking show. And I'm like, 
a 17 year old is intimidating you that bad that you don't want to go see him live. I was like, send me fucking links. And, you know, and that's, it's a sort of a testament to a couple of things, just his humility and his constant, like, he never thought he was like, I'm never going to, you know, he's always going to be a student of the instrument, you know, consummate. Like he loved drums, dude. I can tell you that motherfucker loved drums. Like he would call me every single time he got a new piece of gear. Like we were both playing Tama, Bubinga, Birch kits. And he got, he was the first one to get a maple kit. And dude, he gave me a fucking 45 minute dissertation about why I needed to get rid of my BB kit and get a maple kit. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was just loved the instrument and, and loved to play them and, and, and just constantly wanted to learn uh, okay. or be well, better. That attitude is exactly, you know, probably the main reason why he became such a great player is because he never, 100%. never thought he was done. He never thought he had absorbed all the information. You know, it, it, there was always more to learn. And that's why it's just a constant journey. It really is, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, for me, that's like a once in a lifetime friend and, and it's a once in a lifetime drummer, you know, or someone that has that level of influence on you. So, yeah, I mean, to this day, I cannot touch a pair of sticks without, I mean, I, my hands, I played the other night. And Charlie Korn was there chilling because he was playing with Incantation. And I made a joke about, hey, man, how many shits did you count? And he's like, man, even your hands, like, just the way you play. And I was just like, hey, man, that fucking, he was your, my favorite drummer. And I got to hang out with him constantly. We shared a studio together when I lived in California. So, I mean, you know. And like I said, just recently I've gotten to where, like, you know, I'm obviously never going to be anywhere near as good of a player as he is or was. But he's I have enough of of of, of his influence that, um, you know, hopefully I can do. The next gruesome record, some justice and, and give people, um, you know, what they think that's supposed to sound like. Oh, yeah, dude. So dude, again, I'm excited for that, dude. Awesome. Um, I just would ask, is there any uh deep cuts of sean's uh discography or or things he's been on that most people don't know about i've dug pretty far i've found some pretty obscure stuff but i'm sure there's i think stuff i, I haven't haven't found yet anomaly like, yeah anything i mean crazy the, there? the record he did with with malone back in 96 or 7 Court, called courtland's Court, a pretty good yeah that is pretty, a good pretty good record sure, yeah. it's like a pre it be, what would become like gordian not yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that record. Nice. And then, then he did that. Yeah. Which I was going to say, is there Anomaly? That's like a prog rock or prog metal band that he did. It was just. Um, I know he was doing some sessions out of his house. I don't I know what got I out. Because I, I went through my. I mean, Cynic is my favorite band. So anything that, that had to do with that band, I, I've had to find the CD. So there's uh, anomaly. There's. Agora. Do you have the uh, the the original three song demo pre Trace and Air? Oh yeah, the the yeah. Trace song. So the Sukoff yeah. mix. That With, shit uh, rules. Adam's murmur evolution. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
those, those are good, those are, good yep. demos, yeah. I mean, and that was another thing, dude. You guys don't even know how long it took me to go, dude, get Cynic back together. Dude, just get Cynic back together. Come on. No, man, how are we going to do? No one's going to. Dude, just listen to me. Get Cynic back together. They fucking finally did it, and the shit was successful. And once again, I had to go. Told you, dude, when are you going to listen to me? Because he was like, dude, too much time. No one cares. And I'm like, no, dude, everybody cares. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I'm a. I was two so in 2005 and six when it was starting to come back together. I was like 15, 16 years old, just discovering Cynic. So it like came back for me. It felt like I was just like, this is perfect timing. Fucking awesome, man. Yeah. I, I I love I love hearing this because like, you know, this is the kind of shit that I do. I I like to relay this stuff back to his mom and sister because I Sean Sean and his mom and sister were like the three amigos. Man, they were just the tightest as could be. Mm-hmm. So, and I always kind of have to remember that as, as, as deeply as it affected me, like Patty has his, his actual fucking sister. You know what I mean? She tells me stories of them from when they were fucking actual kids mm-hmm. and his mom Tish, you know what I mean? Like that's a son. Like she had to bury her son. Like that's, sure. you know, fucking yeah. heavy shit. So I love telling her about like when I meet people that, I met somebody every night on this tour that was like, dude, fucking Sean's playing fucking changed my life. And, you know, and it's endearing because a lot of people will ask about him, the person, which is cool. You know what I mean? Like Sean was, you know, he was as good of a drummer as he was. He was a cooler dude. Like he was just like, nobody ever met him. That was like, that guy was a dick. He's just a fucking funny, cool dude who was humble. And, um, you know, fucking love music man fucking love music nice i've never hey uh, anthony i've never heard of this band anomaly i have no idea how i skipped on that dude did you find that though i'm seeing it on the web yeah Yeah. i gotta listen to that i know this this is my random that he did a session for this band c187 oh yeah oh with with patrick uh... right yeah, the pestilence and dude. Tony Choi's yeah. on some songs, or, or I don't know yeah. how many of them. And and honestly, I wish they would release an instrumental version of that. No additional comment there. Just that <laughs> I really wish I had that. Yeah, kind of seems like there's a little bit of new metal influence on that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when Sean gave me the um, the cassette with just drums and bass from Human. Oh yeah, dude. Like, and I coveted it because it was like you know, like a fucking from more sound copy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used to just listen to that. Like not, I listened to that probably more than the album. Once I got it, mm-hmm. cause you could hear all that debt. Like that's the thing about Sean Reinhardt that a lot of people just don't get is his, his secret weapon. I think is his, his control of of his dynamics because dude that dude hit the snare drum like like a fucking bonzo rock drummer like a lot of people don't realize like dude when he plays double bass like his feet go up on the pedal and hits fucking super hard no triggers Mm -hmm. i mean dude was a fucking hard hitter but his subtlety yep was like i mean i would just sit behind him every night and just be like fucking hell man that guy is like it's like watching water pour out of a glass that's him that's him as a player just it's just 
it's a work of art man he's the first because i'm just a vocalist but he was like the first drummer that made me pay attention to wrist technique like watching old footage of him play and seeing his wrist technique as opposed to then it made me like pay attention to more straight death metal drummers and i was like the the technique's totally different and i think that was like part of like the secret is like that wrist technique is where he was and ghost he made me pay attention to ghost notes and all these other crazy things that i really wasn't paying attention to at the time that i well he was the first guy pre-sean death metal drummers were just faster thrash drummers you know what i mean just buckle 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 and then double Mm -hmm. bass or whatever and funny story i remember sitting with sean one day and he's like bro you want to know where every goddamn thing came from? And he went through his CD collection and pulled out Tribal Tech and Chick Corea and Tower of Power. And he's like, you want to hear that fucking thing from Secret Face? I got it right from here. So he was just simply taking jazz fusion licks that he was good enough to execute, right? Mm-hmm. And shoving him into this thing, death, this death metal thing. So, you know, it's almost like he was just giving me his secrets. And I was just like, damn, dude, you copied that note for note. He goes, oh, I know. But he's like, I didn't think anybody would ever put these two together. And to this day, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have to, I don't remember exactly what Trekker, but I remember it was like Tribal Tech, Chick Corea, fucking Tower of Power. Um, basically, it was like Dave Garibaldi, Vinny Cagliuta, and like, Gary husband and Dave Weckle, if they had super fast double bass, like that was the formula. So sorry, I'm kind of off on the, the, the rabbit hole that Joseph's on too. I'm finding this other random record that I never heard about James LaBrea or he's the vocalist of dream theater. Yeah. Okay. So he, him and Sean Malone are credited on uh, the prime cuts album. Yeah. I don't know what that is either. Yeah. Um, I'll take a look at some point. That's cool, man. I mean, that style has gotten much more popular. Sean was the innovator. And now I feel like so many dudes, that's, it's almost like a music school thing. Like you get your, you know, you have some metal chops and you have your fusion chops and everyone's kind of on a spectrum between those two hard extremes. And uh, I mean, Sean's the guy that introduced fusion to metalheads. Exactly. Singularly. I mean, dude, in my opinion, singularly, like he was the guy that did it. And he was the guy that, if, if thanks to Sean Reinert, guys that play metal know who Vinny Caliuta is, and they know who fucking Dave Garibaldi is, and they know who Dave Weckl is, they know who Dave Brubeck is. You know what I mean? Like, he made like everybody in metal was like, or certain people were like, no, man, jazz chops are pretty fucking dope, dude. No, that's, mm-hmm. that's some shit over there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can guarantee that that is when i started paying attention to just straight jazz music like wanted to that was uh, you you find these like points in the road of your journey through metal and all this kind of shit but then you see these off ramps that happen when you hit a cynic you can take the holdsworth route or take the jazz route you know and you get and you don't always take those, but eventually you might take one of those off ramps and find yourself with a whole new what I part tell of, part of the map what, that you're you're building. What I tell people is 
and this is what Sean taught me was the more you absorb, right? Like it just becomes more tools that you hang on your belt and you don't have to pull them out every time, but they're there. So it just, it expands your vocabulary. And, uh, you know, I would say, you know, a lot of, a lot of people can maybe emulate some of Sean's stuff. And I think I can like, you know, I can emulate some of his vibe, mm -hmm. but dude, that guy's vocabulary. Mm -mm, I don't speak that fucking language. That dude's a whole other level of shit. Like, no. You I know. mean, yeah, I, I would let his, his drumming speak for itself at that point. I wanted to ask you, so you now are uh, a gigging musician in Florida. Are you playing all local apart from your touring death metal stuff? Are you, uh, when you said you're singing and playing guitar and you're doing like pop stuff, like is it bars? Like what's, what's the, what's the other life music life that you're living? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy of a world that I reside in because I literally get home from a left to die tour on Saturday and by Sunday night, I'm at a bar with an acoustic guitar. And what I did was I, I recorded all the backing tracks myself, like at my studio and I played bass and I played live drums because mm -hmm. I thought it was just fucking boring to just sit there and jangle an acoustic. I was like, well, I'm a fucking drummer and I play bass. Let me just make myself like good live music backing tracks. There's a lot of dudes that do the backing track thing. It's just like programmed. And it sounds sterile to me. So I played like live drums. That's so sick. it's just me with my backing tracks all in my laptop. And, um, you know, I, I had to learn a shit ton of songs, man. Like if there's a bunch of old people, bro, I got to pull out some Beatles, some Dobie Gray, some goddamn monkeys, some Cat Stevens. Like I got to be able to entertain old folks. People my age show up. I got to have some 80s and 90s. You know, and if the young people are there, I had to learn some, I had to learn Bruno Mars songs. I had to learn Harry Styles songs while the fucking Maroon 5, um, yep. you know, I it's think just, Casey, it's a job. Casey and I are both music teachers, uh, sometimes full-time, sometimes oh, part-time. Oh man, fucking awesome. So we fuck with the, whatever people want to learn music all the time, so yeah that's 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 my day to day for sure i was just coming home right now everyone on piano wants to learn that golden hour song so i get a lot of mileage for, i don't know if anyone's heard that one by jake but uh i don't know yeah it's just like i'm way more attuned to what's going on in music being a music teacher and um so everything you're talking about of knowing that stuff is like resonating yeah. well as a as an instructor then you know that for every single piece of music you learn it just gets digested and goes into like it just finds its way into, you know, like, uh, for instance, with Gruesome, right? When we play festivals and the stages are big and they're, like, way downstage from me, I don't do, like, crazy, like, the intricate drum rolls. I dumb them, rock and roll them up and go, ba 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 because it's just like, hey, I'm trying to keep the band on track, so I'm not yeah. going to go some shit like that when... What if that turns into mumbo jumbo on a big stage? But because I play so much simple pop music, I know bra doom pa 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 pa, and you know that's right. the next part of the song. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, those are all the things that like, you know, it seems like in metal, um, there is a fair amount of like, well, fuck other styles of music, you know, because from, uh, from the other styles of music, there is a little bit of, um, a little bit of resistance and hate towards the metal drummer because they're like, Oh, it's just fucking blast beats. It's like, well, no, man, well, that dude worked a long time to get to that. Uh, so don't disrespect it. Like everybody's discipline is their discipline. It's what they mm-hmm. put their time and effort into. Don't talk shit about it. And the thing you should do is just appreciate all of it. Yeah. yeah. Or just don't listen to it. <laughs> I, I play, or just don't fucking yeah. listen to it. <laughs> I play with some dudes and bands who are like, you know, they, they're just like, I don't want to play. I don't want to be in a cover band. I don't want to do anything. I just want to do my own thing. And I, I want to write my own music. And like, they have to have the rest of their shit together so that they can do that. That's one option. Or, you know, there's me and there's other people who it's like, I'll, I'll take whatever gig I want to learn. I want to get exposure to anything. Uh, and then we come together and then we have a little bit of a like, it's not, I don't know. It just, it's just fun to kind of mix with different people who have different ideas about music and, I'm just happy playing whatever gig I can take. And some, well, I just think there's, you know, it's being open-minded is just healthy. It really is. Like, I don't care. I don't know a world that exists where being closed-minded is good. You know, I think it's just healthy to be open-minded to, to, to other, you know, cultures, music, whatever. And if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea, but Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's something else, something that's there. And for me, you know, if I'm playing fucking Sweet Home Alabama and I'm getting paid, dude, at the end of the day, that's still better than sitting behind a fucking desk somewhere. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful. Totally. So so just to, I guess my original question is, so you, you picked this up pretty recently playing... Uh, is it under your own name? Do you go it out as Gus Rios? Well, I yeah, well, I've started a band uh, called the Gin and Tonics. Which, oh, yeah. you know, if people listen to that, that knowing from the other stuff would be fucking mortified. <laughs> um, I like recorded a cover of When Doves Cry. Um, there's a couple of original songs there that sound very like acoustic pop oriented stuff. Um, and, you know, and truthfully, dude, I, I love Matchbox 20 and Tonic and uh goo goo dolls all that sh- i love all that shit man I, I i love one republic um you know you get exposed to this stuff and i don't like the super bubble gummy shit that's like has no substance mm-hmm. but even recently i had to learn uh that really popular harry Styles song uh that as, as it, it was. was hell yeah dude and dude it's a great it's like d b e E A. Yeah, D B E A, the whole song. But it's a cool kind of melancholy thing. Dude, the lyrics are a little heavy. It's, you know, kind of like doom metally, but it's it's kind of it reminds me of the cure. So there's mm. some good stuff even amongst the brilly poppy shit. But for the most part, man, I, I like music that's got some substance to it. And uh you and, know and I like from all genres for me, dude. I I don't have, I don't really set much, many boundaries when it comes to, I just like to listen to everything, dude. You were mentioning Run DMC earlier, Noah, Cool J. I was like, check, check. I've listened that, used to, I had that Def Jam fucking box set that had all of the hits, dude. 
Hey man, you know, again, it's uh, the more open-minded you are, the more likely you're going to find stuff that you like. Mm -hmm. and, and expand I, your vocal vocabulary through with knowledge with with uh, music and knowledge with music and just expand, dude. Why not? Are you? How long are your sets when you play uh, a gig? Are you playing? Most gigs are. Um, like three 45 minute sets or three one hour sets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, every night I'm singing, dude, sometimes I do doubles and I sing for like six hours a day. Damn. So, um, you know, but again, I'm just, I'm grateful. And I got to say after 25 years of being a full time drummer, because I started playing cover gigs 20 fucking some years ago as a drummer only. Um, so all this time I've just, I tour and I come home and I play covers. It's just during the pandemic, I switched to singing and playing guitar. Um, but I've always just done this for a living and I've, I've always just been grateful. But now that I'm doing it as a guitar player singer, I got to say it, it is pretty exciting and cool to be on this side of the situation and be like, okay. And the other interesting thing that came of it is, and I told some of my drummer friends this, dude, a good fucking drummer, that's the most important motherfucker in the band. Because for, my, for me to go up front and do my job correctly, I can't have stress coming from back there. Like I need to just not worry about that dude and just do my job. When you got a problematic drummer, you're fucking done. So I've been telling like my player friends that I know are good drummers. I'm like, I hope your fucking band's paying you good. Cause motherfucker, you're not replaceable. Cause there's not a lot of great drummers out there. Sorry. There's just not. And if Most you are dudes great, play drums, huh? if you are, if you are a great drummer, uh, hit up sick drummer magazine and get to know yeah. Ian mm -hmm. and he'll help you out. And if you are a sick drummer, you're probably in like, you probably already know three to five yeah. bands. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> dude, and there proves it. A yeah. good drummer is hard to find, man. Exactly. Yep. God. Um, I feel like that's such a rare thing to get paid to play drums. Oh, uh, I think this was mentioned earlier in the chat too. Let's, let's oh, see. Yeah. Um, Ian was wanting to know if you wanted to mention anything about Indonesia. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit more about it. So, all right. So, short, I'll, I'll make this the short story, asshole. I got <laughs> Malevolent Creation played in Indonesia in 2009, and we got fucking held hostage. Whoa. Like the real shit. And uh, at the end of the day, it cost $2,000 for each of us to get the fuck out of Dodge. That was yeah. some fucked up shit. I, I remember coming home from that and, and my girlfriend at the time and I went to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, and I, this is like subconscious shit. This is only a few days later or a week later. Mm -hmm. And we're walking around the Asia section and I get in this horrible bad mood. And she's like, why are you in such a bad mood? And I look around and I go. This looks like fucking Indonesia. Get me the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was fucked up, man. Like fucking hell at gunpoint. Fucking sucked. It was so, horrible. Damn. Take, what, let's hear about like how that situation happened, though. So we're, we're, what were you just driving along? What, what fucked us up 
is there was this, which we thought was the awesomest thing ever. There was this like 20, literal 20 foot billboard with our fucking faces on it. Not even mine. It was fucking Dave Cole Ross. <laughs> so it was like malevolent creation. So it was still cool. And we're you taking like pictures that. with it and shit. Turns out their super corrupt immigration police saw that and thought we were like Metallica mm. and came to our hotel after the show and at basically at gunpoint practically confiscated our our passports. And then the next day they rounded us up and we literally do. We tried to escape, like oh. literally tried to escape. And then they caught us, pulled out guns at that point for real. We're like, get in the goddamn car. You guys are going to jail. Fuck me. So there we are in this fucking holding cell. And it's, dude, Indonesia is a Muslim country. And when you're in that situation and you're just hearing those like Muslim prayers come through a PA mm. and you're like in this broken ceiling fan with the one blade barely oscillate, you're like, holy fuck, we're getting decapitated. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was bad. For sure, no, bad. It was just a, and then they just shook you down for cash, and then they just shook the. Well, they turned turned. They ended up shaking down the promoter for cash, mm -hmm. and we ended up telling the guy, we "We're like, wait a minute, how popular do you think we were?" I was like, "There was maybe a thousand people at that gig last night. That's it. Yeah. Ain't yeah. no Metallica." So, you know, I remember I was about to get to the point where I was like, "Listen, man, how much just to get me out of here?" <laughs> <laughs> like i got a couple of bucks man if i give you like fucking you know that was that was uh i mean i can make jokes about it now but at the time that was some fucked up shit man i remember oh, after yeah, that I, bet, dude. I never wanted to tour again i was like no fucking way i'm never leaving my house again the closest thing i got to that is just being stuck at the canadian border for like yeah. two hours which can be some shit i've been yeah. there too yeah yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember with Cynic, we got we got we got you know popped on the way in where they everybody get out of the bus and they single out Paul and Sean. <laughs> when they came back, I was like, man, I guess they really don't like gay folk up here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! So you were roadieing for uh, Sean for a lot of those tours. Yeah, because he would call me up and he'd be like, "Hey, man, fucking." Let's hang out. Be my drum tech. You know, it was just like a hangout, dude. All me and Sean did uh, my whole time I knew him was laugh nonstop and, and music. That was it, you know? And he was the kind of guy where like on that human tour, you know, he's like, man, you should be playing. So you, you being a drum tech is what the fuck get up there and play a goddamn song. I, I, you know, Sean was like, I don't like that old shit. Pick one of them old shits and play one of those. You know what I mean? Like he, <sighs> it's just a fucking a bro, man. And he was just like, get on stage and play a goddamn song, man. Mm -hmm. And the gruesome was born of that hundred percent. Like, dude, my whole life right now, it's like, I owe it to that motherfucker, man. <laughs> That's rad, dude. That's a good feeling to have, dude. If to have somebody like that, even though I know he's gone and all that shit, but it's just like it it's really cool to have somebody like that and to have lost them to like not have somebody like that at all, you know? I you know, I remember when he first passed away, people would say to me, dude, you should 
you should be grateful that you were best friends with your hero like that. And I, at the time, I was like, dude, I was so angry that I was just like, you know, no, that sucks. This is the worst fucking feeling in the world, man. Like, it made me not want to play drums. Mm-hmm. And um, now, of course, you know, years and years later, I, I can I can look back at it all and be like, wow, man, it's pretty fucking rad that, you know, that, you know, t- to be such good friends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not only like to have his mother uh, send me a text recently with, with, you know, saying stuff like, you know, his, your friendship meant the world to him. And, you know, thank you so much for being such a good friend of my son and shit. I was just like, yeah, fuck man. Like, yeah, dude, that's, I'm grateful, you know. I'm angry. I'll never I'll never be okay with it, man. I'll never be okay with it, but I'm grateful that uh me and that motherfucker hung out all the time and just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. Obviously, you can never fully get over something like that. Obviously, it's just like you hope that you can get to the point where it just hurts a little less as you get further away from it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, this is, this is, we're just talking weeks at this point where I've eased into this. Like, I do remember we had recently become friends on Facebook, you know, right before you had made that post dude. And I, I remember that was probably one of the first posts from you that I read. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, no, that was, it was significant enough for me to share it with everybody where I was like, damn, dude, like I, it was, it kind of wasn't until just then that I realized, dude, I like resented this instrument. I resented this fucking instrument. Um, cause it just, it just became painful to me. And, um, just that day or whatever, I, I had this really emotional fucking session at my studio um a lot of fucking goddamn ugly crying and shit but i walked out of it like you know hey man to have that connection with someone you admire so much for something so important as you know music and drums um man that's a fucking blessing i'll take to my grave dude so totally dude and you want to um, do it you want to honor it and and get back into it too yeah no it's made me dude i swear to god just in the last two weeks or whatever i like i watched like the dave garibaldi tower of groove dvd and like kind of became a bit of a drum nerd again i i i I have an eight inch tom back set up on my kit so it's eight ten twelve um you know i'm just like just kind of enjoying the instrument again for the first time s- since it happened. Um, God, dude. So I'm, super, I'm grateful. Super fucking cool that that's happening, dude. And, um, yeah, I, I keep saying it, but I'm just excited to hear, you know, what, what's going to finally come at the end of that, you know? Hey man, you know, I can say this about it. There's, just like every other gruesome album or almost any record today, there's going to be people that are going to poo poo it. And, um, fuck those people, dude, you know, I'll be the first to say it. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not as good as a drummer. Sean Reiner. 
So you can just save your fucking breath. Yeah. Um, I just am going to do the best I can. And I think I will, I think, you know, it, it'll come out, it'll come across as like, okay, these, these dudes hung out a lot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, hopefully the peaks and valleys are there. It's the Gus Rios interpretation. Yeah. I love your attitude though. Oh, Sean Reiner. It, it, yeah. It's just like, just do your art, man. Just like, like, you know, for you and for just, just to fill that, that art artistic, like, like void or like, you know, desire to like put out art and stuff. And, you know, people are going to dislike it and that's like, fine. You know, it's like every show, the territory, or every movie that comes out, there's some people that dislike it, you know, you like, can't please like, everybody. It's, it's okay. If, if someone doesn't, I mean, this it. has got a unique quality yeah. to it because, you know, it's a very clear window. Like, you know what I mean? There's a, you can take this record and go, is it as good as this particular one album? So the mirror, uh, the, the magnifying glass is much stronger. <clears throat> Sure. Um, which is something I will say about gruesome in general that, uh, you know, poo poo the band all you want, but dude, it's takes a lot of balls to try to, you know, do what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, such a coveted band, such a, uh, you know, such an important band and figure. And so everything we do, believe me, uh, there's a lot of, um, care uh reverence above all reverence uh to what we're doing in the source material so um it's as genuine as it gets and we take it very seriously so and this record for me is obviously going to be the most personal statement i can possibly make as an artist mm -hmm. um you know but i got to tell you man like sean's mom um in those messages we were going back and forth the other day she said You know, you, you honor my son <clears throat> every time you play drums. And um, so what, in other words, whatever comes out of me is going to be in his honor. So, um, you know, if it's up to people's standards, that's up to people to decide. But well, that's, I know I will first. have given it my best. That's what I've learned too is like it's us first guys. I know it's a, it may sound like ego whatever but I'm saying if we're going to be creators of art we have to be we have to be okay with it before we put it out into the world and then after that it's not just ours because we put it into the you know the we threw it onto the grid and it goes into the grid and wherever it goes it goes and however it's gets whatever response it gets but we still take the chance as artists to just give it to the world you know we could just make it and keep i it mean you know it's you know it's something i talk about with my therapist believe it or not that every time i put something out i always have this like are people gonna like this shit like you know how's yeah. that gonna make me feel you know what i mean because i think that we were talking about the relationship between the artist and the fan too because that is really the thing that we still have but i'm saying like maybe that or it still is more important to other people who create shit but i say maybe just speaking from my perspective that side of it was more important to me in the earlier part of my career what people were thinking about 
my performance, you know, and now I'm totally settled in with like, no, dude, I'm just doing this thing to be, be like, okay, dude, I made something. Here's the final product. And I just started taking my baby steps yesterday, Casey and me. Hold on, I got it. Hold on, I'll be right back. Oh, good. I can take t- perfect time for me to just yeah, talk but, about but, it. But, but say if Anthony, like, if right now you just all of a sudden had to, like, you know, sing for a huge band or something, you know, like I've, say you were going to sing for, like, you know, just an unnamed big band, mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, shit, I got to, like, you know, fill those shoes. It's like, you know, oh, totally. You your own shoes different you know because you got your own shoes and stuff but <laughs> but know. i'm saying they are still i'm just saying in creating something in general yeah. just making something. i had to throw a charger on it's all good um yeah but yeah making something for yourself first i think is the best way i mean you know it's funny i actually still struggle with that because like during the pandemic i did release uh three albums with me on guitar and three yeah three and you know most of it no one gave a flying fuck (laughs) so you know it it, 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 it's it's you know like i remember when kill division played our first show uh i think last whenever it was a buddy of mine who's like you know just a cover band musician was like Hey man, you know, it's your first kill division show. How's that going to go? I was like, man, I don't fucking know how it's going to go. He's like, but are you like famous? I was like, I mean, I guess death metal famous, but I guess this is going to show just how death metal famous I am. And like fucking 10 people showed up. And I was like, I texted him the next day. I go, 10 people showed up. That's how death metal famous I am. (laughs) You know? So it's, you know, it's still, I remember being bummed. But that's part of the game. You know what I mean? That's you, you got to be able to take the the hits with the you know the wins with the law lo- you know with the with the losses with the wins. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm playing tomorrow night. Hopefully, it's good with uh, Kill Division. Oh, sick. Um, What's the venue you guys are playing at? Uh, we're we're tomorrow is it's called Grindfest. It's up at the Brass Mug, which is like a pretty famous. Mm-hmm. place in tampa um you know everybody's fucking played there and uh we're headlining friday night so, night. so that'll be the the 12th yeah tomorrow you're... night so yeah. tomorrow morning i'm getting so up and just live. driving up uh ronnie ronnie from malevolent creation is is our live fill-in guy because dirk mm-hmm. is obviously playing in this other band i don't know if you ever heard of it but um <laughs> So no, obviously it's Dirk's not going to play live with us. Uh, but this dude Ronnie can play fucking Dirk's parts, which that in of itself tells you how good of a fucking player he is. And I'm grateful that he's willing to do it. And um, you know, so hopefully people show up tomorrow, man. You know, this again. I don't know what the turnout's going to be. Hopefully it's good. Um, well, I'm driving the up chance, there. If the off what, chance you got it, somebody listening live right now, you're in tampa area or if you're listening to this tomorrow morning which is friday the 12th get your kill division on tomorrow night dude or tonight (laughs) yeah so we will we will have march for sale uh we have vinyl of our debut album peace through tyranny 
um, you know, hopefully people show up. Hopefully people dig it. I, I would love for the band to, you know, catch a little bit of fucking notoriety and get going, you know, just see what happens. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, this was awesome, dude. I don't, um, I think we should wrap it up pretty soon though. I got yep. to drive after this, but, um, dude, Gus, this was so awesome, dude. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. You know, I yeah, always no, love to chat with some, some, some like-minded fellas and you know, it was a, it was a great conversation. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. You're rad, dude. You got some cool stories, dude. Thanks for, uh, giving us all that Sean stuff. Those were some good stories for sure. Hey man, I'm, 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 I learned on this, this, these last tours that I did, um, you know, people, people want to know about them. And, and, um, again, it kind of leads into that whole, like, I'm becoming okay with the fact that my best friend was this like God drummer. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Cause that's some shit. Um, but I'm realizing as I talk to people that it's, it, it really was, you know, quite the privilege, um, to have been so close to someone so great. And I'm just, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about that dude. Cause he was, he was fucking awesome. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. And I'm, I'm sure that plenty of listeners of the, this episode will, will be appreciative of it as well. Um, I I want to shout out Casey right now, just my my teacher and also my friend and uh, yeah. There you shout go, out, dude. Thank you for uh, starting the podcast with me and uh, keeping me as a friend when we got back connected again. So hell yeah, hell yeah. dude! I love that, dude. I mean, that's what it's all about, dude. Showing appreciation, man. That's fucking rad, dude. Awesome, exactly, yeah. dude. And um, since it's Thanks, been dude. such a uh, and I would have uh, teched for you if you had toured while I was old enough to tech. But <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fucking sick, dude. <laughs> that would have actually been sick, dude. <laughs> Odious. <clears throat> mm, what up? If we ever get on the road again, yeah. we'll bring the professor with us, dude. <laughs> um, with all this uh, tribute to a, a fallen, you know, legend. We haven't mentioned Trevor tonight, and today is oh, actually yeah, the year oh, anniversary. That's um, that's yeah. a whole other conversation that I could talk about for quite a while. Like I'm a big um, mental health is some shit, and I still will say I don't understand why in this community where there's a sub fucking genre called doom metal, where it's a whole goddamn thing is about depression. Mm -hmm. We still don't talk about this shit, man. Right. I don't get it. I think that um um that you know Trevor's passing did shake a little bit of the metal community and everybody started checking on people a little bit more, I think. Um I would hope. I feel like, you know, that's kind of was the vibe that I was seeing. You know, I'm part of this metal dad collective on uh, Facebook, and I saw that place kind of turn into a kind of a support thing for a lot of people going through some hardships and whatnot, but still being part of this collective of metal dudes that, you know, are okay with showing their feelings a little bit. You know, it's like it's okay for you to I mean, speak about what's going on in your head, dude. It's taken me years at this point, but um, uh, to 
to talk about it, but you know, like I'm, I'm a suicide survivor and, um, I wrote about it in a thing for decibel magazine. And I remember when, um, Albert was like, Hey, this is going to go live today. I was sick to my goddamn stomach because I was like, number one, either what if nobody gives a shit so like i'm letting the world know this horrible stuff and what if the whole world collectively says we don't care if you're alive or dead bro so that was like one risk risk number two oh my god everybody's gonna think i'm fucking insane fuck and the interesting thing about it it comes out and dude i got hundreds of messages and the great thing about it it's a double-edged sword though the good thing about it was hundreds of people identified with it mm-hmm. seven of which in particular sent me some messages that were pretty significant like dude i read this at the right time mm-hmm. my takeaway from this is fuck there are so many people that listen to this music that suffer and we won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. They messaged me. But I've never seen a post from them stating it publicly. Um, which tells me that this is still a subject that a lot of people aren't comfortable saying. Right. Talking about. It's not like, dude, still- a lot of people have depression and anxiety that listen to this music. A mm-hmm. lot. Totally, dude. And, and when I- that shit goes unchecked. I think about Trevor all the time, to be honest, because um, I came so close to doing it. And the circumstance of which I'm here is like a fucking fluke. And it never escapes me, dude. I'll be on stage playing, you know, forgotten past with Rick Ross and Terry Butler. And I'll be like, damn, dude, this this could have easily not have happened. Mm hmm. And I think all the time about people like Trevor, that man, if he would have just had a little circumstance like I did, maybe he would have a year or two later been like, whew, glad I didn't fucking do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I almost never lose an opportunity when possible to let somebody know, Hey dude, um, you know, I know what it's like when you feel like it's your best option. And from somebody that survived it by accident, um, you know, it's usually a wrong decision. Right. I mean, if you're terminal cancer, some, you know, you're, some disease is going to eat your face off. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But most things uh, with some hard work and therapy and um, being honest with yourself, you know, there's a way out and there's a way back. And, you know, I just got married recently. Congratulations. um, Thanks, man. Like I'm allowing good things into my life now. Totally. And, um, you know, I saw your pics from Disney world. (laughs) Happiest place on earth. God damn it. But, uh, you know, um, and I come from some bad shit, man. Like some bad shit happened to me. And, um, you know, you just got to deal with it, man. And there's, there's ways to deal with it. And if you put in the effort, uh, you know, there's no cure, 
No one's ever going right. to say, hey, that Gus guy is a fucking ball of sunshine. But, dude, you know what I mean? Like, I'm alive. I'm grateful. Um, and, you know, it almost wasn't the case for, for something that, you know, um, didn't have to be a permanent solution. So, well, fucking well, rest in peace forever, man. Talking to us right now, dude. With, yeah. You know, all of I, that. And I read the article one of the couple first days it came out so yeah i was i was somebody who was touched by it glad that you wrote it it meant a lot to me so thanks man again i haven't been on tour since the pandemic and since i wrote it but since i started touring again not as often as people want to talk to me about sean but every once in a while i come across somebody that are like hey man i'm glad i read that fucking article and i'm like they don't even have to say anything else beyond that and i'm just like Okay. Uh, We know we, we, we understand each other Mm -hmm. and that's, and that's wonderful. I just wish more people would, would, would be honest and open about it because the stigma would go away. The obituary and deicide shirts in public. You like, we know, we know. Again, man, it's, it's, it's really similar, dude. It's really fucking similar, man. It's some level that you, that I'm on that you can get to as well. And we just know that we can do that. The sad thing is though, so many people that probably hang out together won't talk about it amongst themselves, but they're both, but they're suffering silently with, and if all they would, and all it would take for them uh, to just the other day, I'm not going to say names, but uh, we're leaving this festival and I'm getting dropped off at the airport with people from other bands, uh, people I don't know. And one of them just happened to bring up anxiety randomly. And then all of a sudden this guy's like, yeah, I got anxiety real bad too. Oh, and my, I got anxiety real bad too. And I'm like, ah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's often enough there that if you would just open, start the dialogue, you would see that so many other people are, are in the same place as you and you're not alone. Right. And being that feeling of being alone is, is, is a big factor in the, in the suicide, believe me, because you just think the world's a better place without me in it. Um, and no one will ever understand me. And so many people do and just it's, talk. So, it's so not true for pretty much every case. I'm sure there's somebody that, once that person's still there and but yeah you're talking about not being able to talk about it It, that's the thing too is like i'm fortunate enough to have a support system where i have enough people where i feel i can discuss certain things like i just opened up to casey about something i could have totally kept to myself and just you know but i gave I, i wanted to talk to somebody about it and right casey was right there for me i me and him talked it out and i was on to fucking with vocals like five minutes later and we were having a great time, you know? It, it, so, it, right. So the point is, is talking about it made you feel better, right? Yes, it did. Most definitely did. And, and, sort of and, the... and in that conversation, he, you know, he's like, uh, here's an example of where I was that same, that same thing happened, you know? And I was just like, there it is. Okay. I know I, I'm just talking to somebody who's also made the same whatever mistake or whatever I'm talking about. Now well, I'm like, okay. a young buck, so I had to like you know chime in. <laughs> young buck, 
I'm only is it even two years difference between us? I don't know. Well, once you turn forty, you understand. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just all about being open, and I think the most important thing is to be honest with yourself. There's a line in one of the Hatebreed songs on their last record that, dude, it struck me like a fucking hammer in my face when I first heard it, and it's truth is hard to stomach when you feed yourself lies. And really, that means that, like, if you are honest with yourself, completely honest with yourself, eventually the really ugly truths become less. And I mean, they're still always going to be ugly, but they'll just hit you so much softer mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I know that. That's it sucks, but I know that. So it's, I've moved on from it. It's fine. Not my fault. Fuck it. And, um, you know, good buddy of mine right now is um going through some shit and probably going to get way worse and i was honest with him i was like dude you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with some bad shit but i think you'll be fine you know um i was literally a worst case scenario uh i had to have my gun confiscated um because i even though the day i didn't do it was an accident i was gonna do it so i was like bad and here I am today, fucking, you know, playing drums with goddamn Terry Butler and Rick Ross and married happily. Um, you know, it's, it's like a world away from that guy. Right. And, and understanding that you can be a different person as you progress and change things, even like physical health, too, that can also help you in the mental side a little bit. I know other things can be, you know, un uh it can't some things have to be treated and all these kinds of things i understand that but just like getting your physical self together makes well, you. well i think up. you know I, i'm a big proponent which again it's like taboo but dude therapy is fucking rad right find Talk a good therapist that that you have a rapport with you feel comfortable with man and 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 dealing with things like when when i start therapy man my therapist is like hey how do you feel like well i started thinking about this the other day and i think this is pretty fucked up like i run into that burning building like i'm not going to mm-hmm. sugarcoat shit i'm not going to i don't want to lie to myself i want to know why i'm thinking these things so i can deal with it and overcome and move on with my life you know because mm-hmm. i don't want to be fucking dead Totally. Dude, the other day, this is funny, but this is totally true. On my way home from Europe, super bad turbulence, and I fucking freaked out. I was like, what the fuck? And then when the plane finally landed, it was almost like I had a little meeting with myself, and I was like, you got scared of dying, motherfucker. And I was like, holy shit, you're right, dude. I did get afraid of fucking the plane going down. Mm-hmm. And it was like, remember how you wanted to kill yourself? Now you're fucking afraid of this shit. Yeah. We've moved, we've moved, we've made some significant progress, right? And I was like, okay, yeah, I see your point, bro. Totally sick, dude. I love that. That's, that's positive outlook. That's realizing that you're naturally moving in the right direction again. You know, you you find, you found reason, a raison d'irte or multi, multiple reasons to live, you know? I mean, you know, and that was like the real life, no bullshit, like, turbulence fucking happened i was like what the fuck i was super it was gnarly as shit i land and i was like hmm motherfucker look at that you're having fun 
You're having fun again. You don't want it to stop. I was in a flight years ago that was landing in Denver and it was like, like tornadoes all in Denver. Like when you flew in there, you could see like funnels and shit and it was crazy. And the plane was like dropping like. Well, what's interesting is, and sadly the part of the the interesting part of the story, it's you, now that you say that, remember the tornado that blew the fucking roof off of that morbid gig. I was flying into Chicago as that happened. Fuck, really? So it was that tornado that made the plane fly all around Chicago in fucking <laughs> turbulence. And then we had to land in Denver emergency because we literally ran out of fuel. Wow. Missed the flight, like all kinds of shit, dude. I bitched about it online. And then afterwards, I realized what happened. I was like, oh my God, I'm being such a fucking, oh, my yeah. flight was delayed or whatever. And here, meanwhile, people fucking lost their lives. Mm. but um i remember that night in the hotel because i had to fly out the next day i was laying in that bed and i was like man we were afraid of dying motherfucker look at that shit and yeah man fucking tornadoes dude the turbulence was fucked up i was like we're gonna die dude that's crazy dude yeah turbulence does suck when you're on a plane dude but i never had it like Fucking worse. Violent. I think fi- landing in Vegas sucks when it's super hot and the, the heat's pushing the plane up while it's trying to land. It's Oof. constant, dude. You're you're landing sideways and shit into. Yeah. I, I fucking hate it, man. It sucks, and I mean, it's and again, it, I will say, you know, it's funny. I talk about this with my therapist because I I told her about it, and I was like, I got to tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable because I don't feel invincible anymore. Because when you don't care if you're alive or dead. Bro, it's just kind of like you're a superhero at that point. You're like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you do give a fuck. And it's like, this is a little fucking scary for me right now because I don't really, this is new to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know that I like <laughs> being afraid of death. It was a much easier existence, you know? And, and again, it's just, I, I, this is like a part of my journey that I'm on and I have to just work through it. Right. Well, dude, I'm fucking glad that uh, again you you've gotten to that point, dude. Because you know, positivity is gonna help you get back on the throne with a vengeance, you know. And you're gonna fucking. I think you're going. I I have a feeling you're. There's like this fire starting in you that this one's gonna be like a comeback record for you. You you really want to fucking put some real gus rios stamp on some shit and obviously tribute to your friend and dude when it really comes from the heart dude i think that's when greatness happens dude so that's why i'm so excited about this you know yeah i'm uh, it's funny i i, I kind of yelled at matt because he's doing like these fucking one tour after another i was like hey man Get your fucking shit together and write some good gruesome shit, motherfucker. (laughs) 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 Fucking book in a million Zoom tours. I was like, we got to make a badass record, man. Like, it's been enough time and I'm ready. Like, let's do this, man. Yes. Well, fuck yeah, dude. Thank you so much for giving us your time, dude. And Dude, uh, thanks for having me. Again, being so, you know, open with us, we really appreciate when, you know, we can really get through to understand our guest as a real person and i i feel like after this amount of time dude we're we're true homies dude you're not gonna man you know everyone of you motherfuckers is a homie with me now 
Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. That's rad, dude. And and thanks again to Ian mm-hmm. for hooking this up yeah. and and making this happen, dude. Definitely. Sick drummer, sick yeah. drummer magazine for life. We need a sick I tell, drummer. I tell, Ian, Ian, I call Ian the ringleader. He's the he's the leader of all badass drummers. <laughs> yeah. So true. Hell yeah. All right, sick, dude. Let's wrap it up with the, the plugs again, real quick. Yeah. So you know, yeah. hey man, new gruesome at some point. Whenever Matt fucking Harvey and Dan Gonzalez get their shit together, um, some left to die music coming on the horizon. Um, new Kill Division EP is up for pre-order now uh, through Redefining Darkness Records, Grindcore, uh, with fucking Dirk Rebeeran and Kyle Simons on vocals. And and actually, this Sunday, I'm getting together with Phil Hall from Municipal Waste to do a Slayer tribute band called Reign of Blood. So, you know, plenty of shit going on. Nice, oh, yeah. dude. Nice. That's yeah. exciting. And for us, the usual guys, well, actually, let's start it. I always need to tell, I always act like I'm just talking to the You're same people. Redo, there's new the listeners, part. dude. You want to be live with us? It's it's yeah. every Thursday night on twitch.tv slash Cali Death Podcast. Um, if not, it's uploaded on the YouTube. Like, subscribe to all that. Like and subscribe, all that shit. We, we appreciate that stuff. That helps the channels and all that. Um, battleforgecoffee.com up uh, Cali Death Podcast. Let's <laughs> throw way too many things. I'm a little trigger happy. Sorry, we'll you don't even do all the old ones. Come on, all right, we're good. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna be sure. I'm gonna buy a shirt when we're done here. Thanks, oh, guys. That, oh, thank you, dude. Yeah. We appreciate that for sure, dude. Oh, yeah, Gilbert saying listen on Spotify too. Hey, man, uh, you guys should uh, you guys should have that guy Dan uh, Goldworthy do some graphics for you. That guy fucking rules. Okay. All right, so we'll check, check him out, out dude. Yeah. We'll he did out. the uh Apple he Space did the design. left to die shirt. He did the the uh the uh pull the plug patches uh nice. graphics like their main character guy like fucking dude's badass. Joseph okay. throw that up for Gus one more time so you can see the shirt. Did you throw it back? This guy this is a uh, triple Sace designs. We Oh we yeah, my them. homie Mark. Good man. Yeah, Good dude. stuff. Shout out oh, Mark. Yeah. Yep. Nice. But cool, dude. Um yeah, had we, a blast uh, tonight. Did you guys mention the ticket giveaway at the? We did in the beginning. We uh, okay. But yeah, we'll mention it again. Should uh, we keep that open like one more week? We need to kind of make sure someone gets a ticket with enough time to plan to go and everything. Right, right. Um, Let's keep it open for one more week and say we'll close it at the end of next week or something. Okay. All yeah. right. So go to calidev.com, submit the form, get your ticket, uh, to or get your chance to win a ticket to Chicago Domination Fest. Yeah. All three All days, right? right? In Chicago, in I'm guessing. Chicago. <laughs> and uh, if you can go right. to Chicago, yes. And oh, we'll, and then uh, the tours, archaic hmm. tour, real quick. Your tour, Last Lucy tour, Last Lucy tour, uh, June 1st through June 16th, Eastern United States. Archaic started tonight, that's why Joel is not here, and we'll finish in Sacramento in like two weeks. Uh, yeah. Let's cool, uh, guys. sign off. Outro video. Ready? Rock on. Have a good week. We are weekend and we'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks guys. Bye.